everybody, and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. We are coming to you one day removed from Lion City Championship number one, Genesis. I'm here with Major Overall, the head coach of Kai Shong fighting in the main event. Major, what's up, dude? What's going on, brother? Pretty good. And as always, Jake, the producer over there in the corner doing all the hard work. At least how much work I'm doing. My arms are literally crossed whilst I'm pressing buttons. <laughs> Which you can tell. Look at him. Look at him. Elegant over there, Jake, doing all the work. We, we need you so much, Jake. Listen, if you guys knew the work that it took to make this podcast run, you look around this place, it's ridiculous. But uh, we're here. We may have had a couple of cheeky beers before this thing even started. So this a good chance this could get sloppy fast. But we are here uh, ready to break down some fights from yesterday's Lion City event. Um, you guys all know listening to this that we wanted this podcast to represent some form of local martial arts. And finally, for the first time since the pandemic began, we were able to put on some local uh mixed martial arts fights a big night it was like nine was it nine fights i think so yeah nine fights and then one uh pro fight which was uh kai shong there in the main event do you want to start you want to start with kai shong we can work our way up the card i guess okay let's work our way up to the card uh yeah. jake why don't you throw if you, <laughs> if you if one of your nine hands is available to uh pull up the the main card here you know what my what are your first thoughts major about the card you were able to catch uh, all the fights there and actually you know most of the guys that were fighting, even more than me, because you're so entrenched in the MMA scene here. So what were your thoughts about the fights? It was good, man. It was kind of like, I felt like it was uh, it's a good starting point, you know, because MMA had all but more or less died off. Pull that dick right up to your mouth, dude, yeah. that, that robot yeah, dick. Right there. Yeah, you Make can adjust that. it as well if you need to pull it straight up. So Sorry, so go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so it's good because I feel like the scene had all but, you know, more or less died off in the recent years. But now you're seeing like... A, bunch of new faces on the scene like competing and just giving it giving it their their best you know but they're, you know they're, a lot of them are own own amateurs making a lot of mistakes as you're supposed to you know but it was cool just watching these guys like it's gonna be more fun watching them develop too some of these guys i reckon will come back and we'll see a little little bit of the their mistakes tuned up a little bit you know but the level overall was not bad they were not there wasn't a range where they just completely didn't know what to do like you see in a lot of amateur fights it's just they could have done some things better but like if you're a pro, of course you do some things better. But as an amateur, like they were at least proficient in in most areas, which is cool. Well, I'm glad that you're here because, as I as you know, I'm in the same boat where you, of course you diagnose things that you could see people do better than. Mm-hmm. You could see mistakes that, that they would like to see, and I don't want people listening to this podcast to think I'm like shitting on anybody, right? right? right. But if you were to sort of uh, critique the general trends that you saw. What do you think some of these young guys could go back to their gym and work on? Like, what were some, again, for lack of a better word, like some red flags or some weaknesses in the overall mixed martial arts game that you, that you think that these guys could go back and improve on? I feel like a lot of the guys had, like, uh, compartmentalized skill sets. You know, you didn't see those weird little uh, gaps in between the, the ranges. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't know things like, because in jiu-jitsu, they don't teach you really, like, how to get up. So I didn't see that done. Um, as, as it would be done if a person had trained exclusively MMA or primarily MMA for the sake of MMA. But nonetheless, it was still good. It's a good starting point because you have to start somewhere, man. And at least they have like some basic skill sets, you know, that they can come to the competition with and, you know, learn from and hopefully maybe study your podcast and <laughs> see what, see what, see what uh, your advice might be for these young guys and 
how to move forward? Well, I should mention major overall, of course, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, head coach of Matrix MMA here in Singapore. He's the coach of Kai Shong, who fought in the main event, former one championship fighter. And uh, I like to say that to you because, again, I don't want these people thinking that I'm like, oh, coming from some higher place. And, and of course, you know, I'm a Jiu-Jitsu black belt and we're both pro MMA fighters. And actually, I was thinking of this, a couple of things I wanted to speak to you about, but the one would be, of course, where these guys can make their improvement and, and you think it would be like getting up from the bottom, like the wrestling sort of from the bottom. It, it was almost like, uh, not just that, that's one example, right? Because that's one thing that you wouldn't train in your compartmentalized uh, training. Like if you're doing Muay Thai and you're doing Jiu Jitsu and you're doing wrestling, it, um, it wasn't, it could be blended a little bit better, but of course that no matter what, that's probably going to be something that you're going to experience in your first few fights anyway. Right. Most of these guys probably making their debut as well. Yeah, like how many? A lot of Ono guys. Yeah, especially there were even a few that had had like you know amateur boxing matches yeah, or amateur yeah. kickboxing fights. But really, integrating the skills is is the hard part. Right, right. You could see the individual skill sets though. You could see that like some of these guys had really good jujitsu. Some of these guys had really good striking. But when they stopped striking, they would just kind of clap their hands and then shoot from a mile away. It was not like shooting at the end of the punches. It was you know what I mean. It was. But it's good. It's a good start. I mean, you, you, I've, I've never, I can't say that I've ever seen an amateur card where you had this many O and O guys that were this good. To be fair, and yeah. the 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 quality of the matchmaking was really. I mean, I've gone. Right. I, I mentioned it several times on, on the live uh, broadcast as I was doing the commentary there that. You know, you know how it is, dude. How many amateur events have you been to? Almost always, like sixty to seventy percent of the the matches, one guy's skill level is just higher, and you, you right. typically see a lot of finishes. Like one guy smashing the other one. There was the the early fight, the first fight, actually. Uh, can you got the card there, Jake? Can you yeah. throw that up on the screen? Well, this is the problem with O and O. It's like you don't know anything about the other guy, right? I mean, two guys could be O and O, but one guy might be a purple belt, the other guy might not even know what jiu-jitsu is, and then you have you know, this sort of a matchup, but they're both 0-1-0. But at least once you get, like, a little bit up to card, like, especially what we saw at the co-main, um, yeah, both of those guys kind of knew each other from the scene. They kind of knew a little bit about each other. They were training specifically for each other, I would assume. And, yeah, it was, it was a good uh, clash of styles. And yeah, I mentioned on the broadcast that that co-main event between uh, ZT, is it? ZT, yeah. ZT and Glenn, that, that looked like those guys are budding on the, the pro level. Right? Yeah, they, they, could be, they could be pro. They're high-level amateurs. Yeah. You, they can take off the shin pads, take off the gloves, and they look like they know what they're doing. Everything right. was right. They knew how to frame. They knew how to pummel for underhooks. They were setting up their takedowns with punches. Yeah. The jitters, the nerves weren't quite there in the same way that you saw with, with right. some of the undercard. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a good observation, man. I mean, at least from me, the, the most common mistake I saw was that sort of traditional jujitsu approach to, like, the bottom game. Right. Where you see guys... You know, if you get taken down, that's one thing. But, you know, you see guys get taken down and then they're playing guard or they're closing the guard and they're not working their way up. They're trying to, like, sweep and they're trying to do submissions off their back. And you can do that, but it's really tough when punches are flying and it's really hard to actually, like, submit someone off of your back. And you see these guys sort of conceding the, the bottom position and willing to play that sort of slap hands, fist bump jujitsu from their back which is a sign of people like you mentioned who've compartmentalized their training rather than fully integrating it. And one other element that I feel like, and I mentioned this several times on the broadcast was that they weren't really familiar with the, the cage, right? How to use the cage, how to scoot their back up against the cage, how to wall walk off the cage. 
some of the guys are pretty good at reversals off the cage, like getting under hooks and, and changing the position and stuff like that. But they, you could tell some of them would have their back up against the fence and they wouldn't really know how to use it uh, as an advantage. And oftentimes the reverse would be true. I would see guys in on double legs or single legs pushed up against the fence and they didn't know how to like, you know, run the pipe away from the fence to try to get like the center position in the middle of the cage and typical stuff that you see from like amateurs. Um, High-level amateurs, you'd see that stuff. I mean, O&O guys, like I said, these guys are probably the best O&O guys I've seen as a whole. You know, these, these new guys that are debuting out there, they're, they're pretty good, to be fair. Which I, is I a- see a lot of mistakes with O&O guys. I mean, really, really bad stuff. Like, this this was pretty good. I was, I'm pleased with the level. that I think it's a good starting point for the scene to, to grow from. What do, you, uh, what do you attribute that to? Do you attribute that to just the rising level of actual MMA in Singapore as opposed to that sort of, like thing where you have these are the bjj people these are the muay thai people and then you know they decide to cross train you know you get the bjj blue belt or the bjj purple belt that trains like muay thai for six months and then wants to have an mma fight but they don't really integrate the skills yet like that kind of thing i think it's because it's a very grassroots production right or promotion I, i think that the majority of the people that were uh selected to compete in this were already like in the community in this in this on the scene a little bit maybe not specifically mma but they're training at mma like gyms or at least multiple martial art gyms where they have like muay thai and jiu-jitsu and maybe some wrestling here and there so these guys already had a, what we like the prereqs for mma basically right they have the, the prereqs down um and then maybe like the last few weeks they, you know they learned whatever they could in those few weeks that was mma specific like how to maybe stay safe from punches you did see some of that stuff. Like guys were actually pretty good at kind of moving away from the punches and not eating too many of them and little things like that. You can tell they probably worked a few things, but there's only so much you can do in a few weeks. You know, if it's your first fight and all you've got is a blue belt and a little bit of boxing, I mean, hey, do what you can. You know, six weeks. You know, keep 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 at it, and when you go to your next fight, you'll be more evolved. You know. Yeah, I think it's a testament to the the, the matchmaking and the skill level, and I do think that you're seeing a general trend in Singapore of people learning how to train as a whole i mean the thing is you know if you want to be like a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you want to be a for lack of a better word a black belt in striking and then a black belt in wrestling and then you can be all those things and then combining that can still be a a trip right it can still be really really difficult to do and the i agree with you man i i was so impressed with the whole event this this is the best and i'm not just saying this because i was fucking there and doing the commentary and everything it was actually the best amateur event i've ever seen in terms of quality of the matchmaking right. and the quality of the opponents they're perfectly balanced all the fights were competitive which is really what i want to see because as much as i like the finishes this the knockouts the submissions and stuff it it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth when you see one guy just massively over in over his head mm-hmm. and then you see a guy get knocked out and you're a little concerned about their safety and their health because it's just too much too soon and just to add on to that, the vibe was really good between the fighters. I mean, dude, after the event, everybody's like hugging each other. Everybody's good. All the people that fought like really vibed well. You can imagine seeing these guys compete with each other in multiple disciplines throughout the years. They may fight again. They may compete yeah. with each other in grappling competitions. They may box each other in the future. It's sort of a testament to the scene and the fact that Singapore is relatively small the borders aren't open so mm-hmm. even with the singapore grappling invitational a mural and uh Herald over and over i mean again. how many times have they competed yeah. against each other and it's kind of fun right yeah. it's kind of fun because you may see these guys again competing in the future or competing with other guys mm-hmm. on the same card maybe they're in the same weight class or they're nearby they may very well see that opponent in the future or a different opponent that also fought on that event 
yeah. the future. And it's a, it, it, was a, it was a good thing. And, but nobody was like fucked up. Nobody was crushed. Like the vibe was good. I mean, your boy Kaishan probably laid, laid down the biggest beat down on the fight, but uh, Zidane was really nice. They were hugging afterwards, taking pictures. He looked a little bit like an elephant man with that hematoma there on, on his head. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll pull a picture of that up here in a little bit. But why, why don't we start at the bottom here? Uh, Jake, we can pull that, pull that event up. So the first one was the only one that was a little bit of a of a one sided affair, right? What are the names there, Jake? I can't really uh, see. Uh, Amaral uh, versus Jonathan Tan. Yeah, so Jonathan Tan was the one that won that fight. And actually, I thought uh, Umaral is that is that his name? Umaral is that how you say it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he. he uh, I spoke to him before the event. He told me he had like six or seven amateur boxing mouth. I think it was boxing, or maybe it was kickboxing okay. fights before that. So he probably the more experienced guy, but you could kind of see that he. And I'm speculating. And guys, listen, let me just say this in advance. As I break down this card, do not take what I'm saying personally. I'm just objectively trying to give my opinion on this. So if I say something that you feel is an insult to your skills, it's not that. I mean, we're only seeing a small... This is this is why you have amateur fights. Right. You have amateur fights because it doesn't go in your record. You can have as many of these as you want. There's zero shame in lo- in loss i've lost many times right like it's just part of the process so if major and i say something it's not to be like hypercritical of you or your skill set it's just our best objective description of, of what we witnessed and uh and and that was one of those because uh Umuro looked great on the feet right but then he got taken down and he, he got flattened out and then choked pretty quickly and he was actually out it looked like for a minute or two there Looked good on the feet, throwing hard low kicks. But then once he actually uh, got taken down by Jonathan Tan, it was, you, you could tell he was kind of a fish out of water there on the ground. Yeah, classic striker grappler matchup, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's and I saw it a couple of times. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, guys: if, if somebody has your back and they flatten you out, yeah, <laughs> you you cannot get flattened out onto your belly ever. You've got to build your base. That is, in your opinion, major, is that the most vulnerable position? in all of martial arts is like someone on your back with you belly down um no i think that maybe in the rule sets that we understand yes but uh within the context of mma i mean if I it's still, up there right if i can still soccer kick somebody i feel like yeah. there are other positions that are way worse <laughs> okay let, let's say within the context of amateur mma then with amateur, yeah probably so it, it's probably up there right right yeah because you can still punch from two directions on both sides of your hands and the elbows are irrelevant because you can't throw elbows so that's probably the worst because you can punch um, under the arms, you can punch over the shoulder, and then you can also apply the choke. So that probably leaves you the most vulnerable, <laughs> and you can't fire anything back from the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and and I would say that a trend that I saw repeatedly was the the younger fighters uh, struggling with the concept of building their base from the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think that's an overall trend that we could both agree was you know like being flattened out or like having an underhook from the bottom and not being able to get up to the elbow or even just underhooking specifically like building your base so that way you can get a little bit of height so that way you can work your way back up to the feet it seemed like a lot of guys were content with like playing jujitsu from the bottom closing the guard sweeps but like building their base up and then being able to like underhook work their way up to the feet or work their back to the cage seemed like a something that I think a lot of the guys could 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 work on yeah but I also felt like maybe a lot of these guys most of these guys were are jiu-jitsu guys at least a lot of the names i recognize so i think maybe a lot of these guys were like you know what i got this boxer in my guard i'm gonna go ahead and armbar him or or at least you know maybe that's a i'm not at too much of a disadvantage here my jiu-jitsu i believe in my jiu-jitsu and then 
that's that was true in like the early '90s. Like it did work for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, maybe it could still work in the amateur scene, but it's obviously not the best option. At least to to, to remove the option of being able to get up. So so let me get your your take on this. How Jake, do you mind throwing on the aircon or? or? Or cooling it down or, yeah, or something because yeah. it's starting to get sweaty in here now that we got all these electronics running and everything. Um, so, what? How do you prioritize like get ups from the bottom and then guard play? Like if if you're building a fighter from scratch and mm-hmm. knowing that MMA is their goal, right. right? They're not just like dabbling their toes in it, but they want to be the best mixed martial arts fighter. Where do you put your priorities with in terms of like from the bottom position sweeps? submissions from the bottom and then sort of more traditional like wrestling get-ups or wall walks up to your feet like where would you prioritize those i, I kind of put them equally uh not to uh so sweep submit and stand up you can simultaneously attack the three of them it works the best that way in my opinion because if they give you um too much if they're, if they're too much space for you to sweep or to submit which is common in jiu-jitsu then you can stand up quite easily Right? And if they're pressuring you down too much to be able to stand up, a lot of times that'll give you an opportunity for a sweep or a submission. So they kind of work hand in hand. But I think when people walk into an MMA training session with me, um, I'll, I'll probably spend more time on, on getting up. Uh, and then in jiu-jitsu, they can comfortably work their sweeps and their submissions without getting punched in the face. And then when it's MMA time, hopefully they've got the muscle memory to fire that off before the, they get overwhelmed with punches, you know. What about something like the the close guard? Because, I mean, for me, probably for you, probably for you, I mean, it depends on where you are and who trains you, but I would say that generally the most common position that people learn from the bottom when they're starting out, you know, that white belt to blue belt is close guard. Right. So where would you rank that in terms of uh, how much time you should spend training there? I mean, I'm kind of a believer that the first thing you should learn is half guard rather than close guard because close guard just locks people on top from an MMA context. Listen guys, if you're training in the gi and you, you get close guard on people, that's a pain in the ass. All the person on top can really do is open up the guard, yeah. right? But in MMA, you can punch people from there. Like if, if you want to close the guard in an MMA fight and I'm on top of you, I'm cool with staying there all day. A frame on the biceps, especially MMA, you can drop the elbows. If it's pro, you can drop the elbows. Yeah. So where would you spend your time or where would you have your students go if they're on the bottom? Because I saw a lot of close guard. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would have them do or would you where would you start them i like i like the idea of closed guard as a recovery position yeah me too like if you get rocked yeah that's a good place to probably exactly. not get knocked out yep. you, can, you can hold on to the guy a little bit but it's not going to win you any fights that's the only time i tell yeah. people tell people to do it. it's like oh you get dropped closed guard's great then you tighten yep. up you close yep. off the space try to make it tight as possible so they can't generate power yep. on their ground and pound but would you ever actively go there from the bottom Depends on the matchup, but mostly if I'm, it's major fighting major, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, if you're a master, if you're an expert there, okay. But how many? It's always relative. Right? Yes. Damian Maya versus versus Damian Maya, probably still not. Right. But <laughs> how many championships have you seen one off of their back? Uh, a no. close guard specifically. No, but this is you're talking about a different thing. Though. You're but even about still, a completely it does. Developed athlete that has all areas. But if it, you look at the top end, you almost never. Of course, but that's you're, see you're, it. you're also fighting other guys that are top end. But if we're assuming that like where is the most where should you spend the most amount of time based on what you see work the highest percentage at the highest level? Most of the time in the MMA context, you're spending your time getting out. Yeah. Right. If there are opportunistic submissions and sweeps that you might go for if they defend against. The, right. The, the, the jab is to get up. You throw the jab and you see what happens. Right. You try to get up first. 
because you're you're you don't have a lot of time to work there. To be honest, if it's a purple belt versus a purple belt, you're not going to submit him in that amount of time. Right. Especially off your back, and especially um, with amateur, you only have three minutes to work. Yeah. And how long did it take to get you there? Right. You're probably there for yeah. a minute, like yeah. max. I mean, good luck. Yeah. I mean, I saw a few of those. There was a fight. Uh, throw up the card there. What was the fourth fight? It was Vreddy and uh, Vreddy and who 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 is it? Uh, 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 Eugene Wei. Yeah, Vreddy and Eugene. So when they fought, man. There was literally a, I believe that fight was won by like 10 seconds, right? Because that, that third round, they were dead even. I had it one round apiece. And then uh, Vreddy Hat was like working on the back. And then he, he, you know, he did the thing where he was punching, but the bottom guy was still moving. Mm-hmm. And then he got reversed. And then there was like 20 seconds left. And then that ended up being the end of the round. And I mean, you're literally talking about 10 or 20 seconds max mm-hmm. where that decided the round. And it was another thing where, you know, it's a, a typical thing that you want to punch, but if the position isn't secure, you, you can't. Because if a guy's moving and you're punching, you're giving up position. And you know, if you get a if you get somebody down in an amateur MMA fight, most likely they've already had a minute on the feed, and then you get them down a few scrambles. Like you're dealing with twenty or thirty seconds to work. So trying to play sweeps and submissions when you're dealing with seconds, right? Twenty, thirty seconds max is just not a a strategy that will win you the fight. Yeah, for sure, but. Sometimes you're desperate. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's all you can do, right? Yeah. Sometimes that's all you can do. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit older these days. After a couple of get-ups, I'm playing guard. I'm just gonna, just, not because it's a better option, just because I'm too tired to get up. <laughs> <laughs> Which could have been the case for, yeah. uh, for a lot of these guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it, it's, of course, a case-by-case basis. And, yeah. and I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying that, like, if you were going to, like, pick a set of skills to prioritize based on what works at the highest level. It's the, it's the get-ups, it's the wrestle-ups, it's the underhooks. Of course, because you have to understand what positions are um, winning position, which positions are losing position. So you don't fight from a losing position if you have a choice. You, you at least go back to a neutral position, assuming you're well-rounded at everything, right? If you're back on the feet, is it going to be a neutral position or is it going to be a huge disadvantage? I guess it depends. If you're, if you're a jiu-jitsu guy fighting a boxer... You might actually be better off just staying on the ground. Yeah. You know? oh, oh, yeah, for you sure. Know? Depending on the styles and yeah, the yeah. matchups and where you think you, you, you stand the best chance of winning. But well, if stuff changes a little bit when you have these early amateur fights, right? Because you have guys who don't have maybe uh, very much of a skill set in a particular area. So you have like this huge sort of mismatch where it might actually make more sense to, to do some things that you would never do at the higher levels where everybody has a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, I think if there was one thing I, I would isolate... Like one, and it of course this is a general approach. It doesn't apply to everybody, but it would be the underhooking. Underhooking. I, I would say that was the thing that stood out the most to me as like a, a skill set that everybody needed to work on because you would see people in the bottom position like hugging the head, for example, not really knowing how to pummel whether they're on the feet mm-hmm. against the cage or whether they're on the bottom in the half guard or even in the bottom side control. Like everybody's trying to hip escape, and people kept being in like the bottom side control and hip escaping to the closed guard. And it's just it's just not the move. You're in the bottom if you're on the bottom side, fire that underhook, right? Shoot that underhook through, build your base up to your knees. That's the move. Because if you're in the bottom side control and then you close the guard, you manage to hip escape back to close guard, you, that guy's still on top of you. I mean, it's better. It's better yeah. for sure. But the real realistically, like if I'm the bottom side control, I can control your posture by hugging you very similar to as well as I can control your posture from the closed guard. Right? I mean, I can keep you tight. We're chest to chest anyway. That's the reason why the side control doesn't score any points in IBJJF. There's not space to fire off strikes. So if we have like a minute left in the round and I'm in the bottom side and I just hug you there, it's really no different than if I get back to close guard and I hug you there. 
Mm, no, you disagree? The, the, the difference would be that uh, the person on the bottom can fight back if they're in close guard. I but mean, I'm talking for the, the sake argument. of clinching, right? Just for – I mean, but how – what are you going to do, punch them from the bottom? Oh, you're you're going to lose that. You can – But how many of those do we see? I'm just saying that, like, relative – of course the close guard – you have the guard. It's, right. it's for sure better than being in the bottom side control. But I'm saying you're still – in a rough spot. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, you're on the bottom. Bottom is losing. Period. That's the way the way we run drills at my school. Like uh, for MMA, we don't go until you regard. We go until you're on top. So like, it t- t- kind of takes out like this idea of like getting back to a guard is escaping. That's not escaping. That's just a tool to help you escape. Right. Yes. You're still well in, said. you're still in trouble. Yeah, that's yeah. very well said, and that and that's completely accurate. And then the other thing is like uh, that they don't teach in classic jujitsu is is reversals. Yeah. Because because they don't score points in IBJJF, right? Well, now ADCC's taken over, man. I feel like ADCC the, does, yeah. but IBJJF doesn't. No, no. But I I think that ADCC is kind of the for no gi guys. That's going to be the rule set that you're going to see a lot more from training. Well, why don't you go ahead and explain the difference between a reversal and a sweep for well, people sweep, that are listening? Sweep, yeah. So a sweep is basically like when you are on bottom and you get on top, but they were in some form of your guard. A reversal is just without having a guard. So you, I could just barrel roll you. Like from a side mount, and that's that's considered a reversal. Um, to me, I mean, it doesn't really matter how you do it. In my opinion, it's like, dude, now that you're on bottom, you're on bottom. Your face is going to suffer the same consequences whether or not it was a beautiful technique out of a textbook or if it was just some brute strength. The problem's still the same, bro. <laughs> you're on yeah. bottom now, you know. So that's why I like the ADCC's rules for that because, you know, and they also uh, score higher for clean t- clean reversals. Yeah, that's which is the best. which is super important. Like if I roll you chest to chest. Like it doesn't in a real fight it doesn't matter if I use my legs or not. Like you're still on bottom, man. You're still now you're in a bad position. Like it should count the same. That's why I stress MMA training or no gi training. If yeah. we're in the bottom side control, I stress the underhook because I can come up. If I get the underhook, I can come up on a single. I can mm. tap the far knee, get a takedown straight to the side, mm. and that doesn't score you any points in jiu-jitsu in the gi in IBJJF, right. which is complete nonsense. Like you're literally talking about a complete reversal of position, bottom right. side control to top side control. If I do that, it will score you no points. I mean, that's why the ADCC rules are king. Yeah, and didn't see enough people. Well, uh, but they also have some other rules that contradict that. Like what? Like if I do a diving Kimura roll or a drop back on a leg lock, uh, that's not considered a reversal, but I still lost position nonetheless. That's true, which is also yeah. kind of nonsense. Yeah, right. And even I, I can ADCC see why you would do that to that. encourage people to go for stuff, and that's fine because you're trying to work your jiu-jitsu a little bit. But if you're trying to make it closer to actual fighting, I mean, you've lost position, you've lost position, right? Yeah, that's true. And it, it, there's no perfect system, right? right? You kind of just got to deal with what you got to deal with. But I think uh, I t- spoke to Jake about this already, but this week I'm going to release a – do some technique video. And it's going to be like specifically addressing some of the things I saw from the fights. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like – how do you get the underhook if you're pinned down in the bottom half? Mm-hmm. How do you get the underhook if you're pinned in the bottom side? Like just these, how do you get the fight for underhooks? How do you pummel against the cage? Because And even people not knowing how to, first of all, set up the punches in the takedowns, but shooting when they're underhooked so that they don't have inside position and they're shooting on single legs and double legs when they're already, like you're never going to get that takedown because mm-hmm. right? the guy could just underhook you. Right. So doing things like clearing the hands before you shoot, which is more of a, a wrestling thing, but the easy way to resolve that in MMA is you just, throw punches first right right but i saw that a few times you know people chase it for takedowns and they're underhooked and there's just nothing happening there you're, you're never going to get that takedown and uh and again not me being hypercritical just just observing some some things that i saw and uh yeah but i mean it's just still i love i love the event i love the levels Let, let's get to the to the second one here uh jake we have what, what's the second match here 
June and Sunny uh, Low. June and Sunny Low. That was another one that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Sunny Low looked pretty undersized, I would say, for that for that match. I think he trains with uh, Polino. Oh, does he? Yeah, I saw I saw Polino do a Facebook post today with with him. Uh, so I think he's at least doing his boxing there, or maybe his wrestling. So guy had good wrestling. He was able to get some single legs. Look way undersized for that position. But uh, a good fight. June was able to. <laughs> June, June was funny, man, because he's Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. And he uh, got knocked out in his first fight. I think it was like six years ago or something like that. His first mm-hmm. ever MMA fight. And he, he told me up into the fight that it had been like festering in him for mm-hmm. years, right? Like, oh, he wants to do it again because he got knocked out. And then this was his first fight after that. And I don't know if you remember in the third round, he, he screamed at him, right? He screamed something in Japanese. I didn't know what it was. I, I said in the broadcast, it sounded like he was screaming, Korea! Or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But apparently he told me afterward, it was like, come on, come on, in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then he, he told me that afterward, he felt ashamed that he did that and he felt embarrassed. And he's like, oh, I'm so ashamed. My parents can't watch this fight now because, <laughs> because I, my ego came out. My, and I was like, dude, it's fine. You're, you're in battle, man. Like, yeah. it's an emotional thing, right? But you know how Japanese people are about being overly emotional. And he, yeah. it was so funny because he was... He was happy afterward, and then when I saw him, he just had this like dejected look on his face. And then he's talking to Shinya, and you know how two Japanese people are when they're and he, <laughs> and he felt embarrassed by it. And I was like, dude, I was like, dude, you don't need to feel embarrassed, man. It's just like standard practice in fights. Like you get emotional, you overreact. It it doesn't need to be a problem. But for whatever reason, he had a great fight. It was close, mm-hmm. and he managed to edge him out in the third round. And then he just felt so embarrassed. And I'm like, listen, man, this is like a really emotional thing, and that. That is buried deep. When you lose like that, and you, you have all the insecurities that come with getting knocked out in a fight in front of people, right. and then you're, you're trying to do it again because you want to see where you're at, and then you know he just got hyped up in the third round. It was a close fight, and then he's like, come on, come on, and then he <laughs> felt ashamed about it. And I'm like, dude, you know, he looked good, but he was so nice. I love Japanese people. Yeah. He's always a fun character to have at any event, like whether it's the grappling or, or the MMA. He's, he gives like a you – could, you could see that he's – He's really like emotionally invested in the in the competition, you know, and he really like having a good time, and which is not a bad thing. No, but, it's not a bad thing. But Japanese yeah. people are like that, though. They, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They tend to look like it's a sign of weakness to show emotion. Yeah. And he said that I'm like, dude, that is crazy. Like you had a good fight. Like yeah. don't feel that way. But you know, it kinda... I, look, man, I love to see a person like have their emotion come out when they fight. Like because I know I know what that's like too. You know, like if, if someone's happy, if someone's whatever, like it, that's genuinely them i feel like when you're fighting like that it strips you down to who you really are we go through life putting on these goofy masks all day long for other people right but when we when you strip us down to our core like that we're just who we are and you can you can see it sometimes in the fight like, it's real yeah it is that's why i feel like it's, it's such a unique bonding experience to fight with somebody else because it's like just two people stripped down to their core you know none of that none of that like facade that you go that you carry through your daily life or acting tough none of that shit matters anymore when you're when you're in the cage you know well, I told uh, Keon that, and uh, maybe you can pull up. I think Keon fought Aloysius. Dude, I'm sorry that I mispronounced your name. <laughs> Everybody was shitting on me. Can you can you pull it up there, Keon? Zoom in there. How would you say this name, Major? Please, just so I don't feel like an asshole. Everybody told me I was mispronouncing this guy's name, and dude, I'm sorry. That's uh, a Kenyan? No, no uh, go up a bit. Wait. Uh, to- a little further up, Jake. To the top right. Uh, I'm sorry. Kane? Uh, no, this Keon reading, and how would you pronounce the other guy's name? Aloysius. Say it again. Aloysius? You see, you say it like me. You say it like an American. Okay. Apparently, it's Aloysius. 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 I can't say it. Aloysius. How would you? Aloysius. 
Yeah, I've never how heard are you this saying name. the other guy's name? I was saying Aloysius. Right. Aloysius. How are you? How are you saying it? <laughs> Aloysius. You're saying this? No, no. I said Aloysius. I've met several people here with that name and I, I, I've never I've never said I've seen it I guess written and I've just yeah. never said it and for whatever reason listen dude I'm a hillbilly man I come from the sticks dude I don't know how to say shit so I, <laughs> I apologize to you for mispronouncing your name I got like five people to, and I literally I was really confident about that name there were a lot of names on that <laughs> card that I was not confident saying that one I thought I had it in the bag dude so I'm really really sorry about mispronouncing your name I'm gonna work on it because I know you compete and, and I know I've heard people mention you to me in training, so like your name's gotten around. I'm sorry, I missed. Say it again, slowly. Say it slowly, you asshole. I, I know you're gonna fuck it up. Say it slowly. Aloysius? Slowly, syllable by syllable. Aloysius. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably both wrong. He's probably hey, over there hey, like. Yeah. <laughs> that's not me, name. Yeah. But anyway, I, my point was is that I was talking to Keon after that fight. By the yeah. way, another name I would have mispronounced had he not told me how to pronounce it because he spells it C A I N. Yeah, that's Kane, isn't it? Yeah, it's Keon. It's okay. Keon. He he came and told me because I would have definitely fucked it up if he hadn't. But uh, you know, he he was one of the a few people there that that got finished in, in that fight, and he'd only been training for like a year and a half, and you know, and him and. Uh, Aloysius. Did I say it right? That was that was okay. No, it wasn't. Sorry, dude. <laughs> we'll go with it. But he told me that, uh, you know, he's feeling whatever about it and everything. And I was like, listen. And, but they were being buddy-buddy afterward, and they were talking and taking pictures. And I was like, listen, this guy is – you're going to have a bond with this. This is his first fight. Right. So this is you're going to have a bond with this guy that you can never replicate, right? Like the first time you fight somebody, yeah, yeah, you yeah. remember the first guy you fought guaranteed oh, yeah. i remember the first guy that i fought like that's a bond that you that you never forget and you really can't put words into what it's like to go to war with somebody right to have the battle with somebody and you listen you're training for a year and a half you're gonna get that like all these people that lost just you showed up right i mean you you went there and you tested yourself and that that's really the secret so for all the fighters in there that, that are dealing with a loss and everything and nobody was seemed too upset about it which was really good but it's just part of the process nobody's undefeated in this game because even if you're good in the fight you're getting smashed in the gym by so many people right you know what i mean but yeah yeah, it was like that and he had that these guys all have shared a bond now and shared an experience together that it's really it's like it's like the first girl you you have sex with right it's like losing your virginity you you remember that one you know there might be some weird drunken nights in between where you kind of forget what's going on Mm -hmm. but that first one you you never forget it so you got a bond there for the rest of your life tell you what if i ran into the to the girl the first girl that I had sex with and the first guy that I fought and I saw them both in the bar, I'd buy the guy. Who are you going to hug? <laughs> Who are you going to hug first? I'm going to go over to the guy. Hey. <laughs> exactly, man. We shared such a special moment. Yeah, yeah I mean, literally, yeah. given the, like, like one is, they're walking out the door. They're walking in two different directions. Yeah. Which, and like, there's a train splitting beneath you and you yeah. can only make it to one. Where are you going? Yeah, exactly. Towards, yeah, towards the first guy I fought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> course, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. So, uh, all right, dude. So, yeah, let's get to the that, let's get to the third one here because the third one in my opinion was the fight of the night it was a damn good fight between oh that fight was was insane yeah B-Raj and Muhammad Faraz yeah B-Raj Shindy and Muhammad Faraz damn that shit was razor close I, I actually re- re-watched this and no disrespect to Muhammad Faraz because by the way he was super nice like he mm. was so pumped and he was telling me all this really great story but actually after I re-watched it I kind of thought that B-Raj Shindy won that fight I re-watched it last night it's so close. No one really lost. Who did you think won? I'm curious. Uh, it's tough to say, right? I felt I felt like they were around a piece going into the third. And me too. Um, 
I felt like Virage actually did more that third round, but uh, Faraz got up at the end there. Yeah, he did and the, rallied and that last flurried. fifteen seconds of of uh, enthusiasm and theatrics. A lot of times, we'll steal the judges. Uh, still, still, you're running on the judges' scorecards, you know. So, but, but, fair, I mean, just be fair. Yeah. Did you think that Biraj had done enough? Yeah, I, I, you could give it to either one of those guys, and I'm not mad. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So it was one of those ones that was. I mean, especially when you're dealing with three minute rounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so close. But I, I rewatched it again uh, last night, not live, and I saw more angles. Right, because when yeah. I'm there, I don't have a monitor in front of me, so I'm, I'm sometimes the pillars of the cage are blocking the view and i don't see every exchange i'm really close but when i saw it with like all the angles and everything i maybe thought uh b-raj had edged it but i could probably watch it again tomorrow and think the opposite yeah it's, it's hard because whenever you, like if you have let's say you you have the best first two and a half minutes and the other guy has the best 30 seconds at the end a lot of times that's what's left in the mind of the judges right yeah but um yeah, so I guess it's how you want to score, right? At the end of the fight, who was doing more at the very end of the fight when it stopped, right? Yeah. You have to go with uh, for us. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, because actually, but yeah, I was more, I think in the moment, hyped about Firaz rallying in that last, like getting up to his feet. and then, right. But realistically, Biraj had him down. Yeah. And had his back and stuff and was throwing some ground and pound there while he worked his way up. Yeah. But nobody that's one of the most tightly contested amateur fights I've ever seen though. I mean you're dealing with again, this one and the next one, the one I mentioned earlier, you're dealing with like ten to twenty seconds of difference. Right. Being the being the main factor there. Actually, I'm sure Alvin won't mind. Can you can you pull up the last minute of that fight, Jake? Yeah. Let's let's take a look at this. I'm sure those guys will enjoy us breaking it down and I'm sure Alvin won't mind. And uh let's let's take a look at that. Actually, uh, I'm gonna take a break because one, I gotta pee. Two, I gotta get some light on your face, dude. You, you're, you're black, your black, your black ass skin is not showing up on this fucking camera, and it's your fault for being your skin color. It's 100 percent you. It's, it, is it is a choice. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a choice. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. I'm gonna put some light on Major. I'm gonna pee, and I'm gonna also crack another beer. So, we will be right back. And we are back. Sorry. Flip that over to Major. Look, you can see some details on his face now. You don't just look like the whites of your eyes anymore, Major. That that hashtag no racist. No racist, okay? Yeah. Can't be racist if you're friends. That's, that's the rule. <laughs> so uh, we're back. And uh, what I wanted to do now is actually bring up the event. Alvin, I hope you don't mind. We're going to fucking poach your shit, dude. We're going to put it over here. And we can actually break down some of this. Because actually, Major mentioned uh, talking about uh, ZT and Glenn at the end. We, we can talk about that fight a little bit too but first let's take a look at the last maybe minute of this fight i mean we can even break down the last the last round it's only three minutes and, and see what we think here because it's a it's a good real close round and i'm sure we can point out some things that would be interesting um for the people that want to train and improve their skill set here and then this will also allow us to talk about some of the other fights and you know maybe the crucifix position and the hematoma on zidane's face at the end of that because that was brutal um. Yeah. So Jake's gonna, Jake's gonna pull this is up. It, is it this one? The the dude with the beautiful yeah. beard. B Raj, you have a beautiful beard. I'm jelly, dude. You got an amazing beard. And we'll pull this up on the main. Is this the third round? Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at this. So yeah, context going into this one, everyone can kind of agree it was one one apiece. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely one apiece. One yeah. apiece. And pull that pull that thing right up to your face if you, if you don't mind there, major. Otherwise, our sound is gonna be all over the place. All right. Let's let's take a look and see what we got here. We'll kind of lay the commentary down over top of it if Jake can figure out one of the trillion things he's doing at the moment. 
We expect a lot from you, Jake. This is not going on. You always deliver, though, dude. I'll be honest with you. You always deliver. Biraj and Firaz. This is round three. So if you're listening to this, this might be a good one to watch because we're really going to break down. You can see the live fight here. I'm, I'm quite excited. I've not seen this. Oh, this is this was a banger, man. This was a banger. So let, let's see who we think won this third round because Major... Oh, there's a nice head kick there. Partially blocked. I'm who's re- Sorry, Luke. Who's who? Biraj is the one with the beard. Mohamed Faraz is the guy clean shaven. Uh, yeah, Biraj is red corner. Faraz is blue corner. Yeah. And you know, the first, the first round here... That is a nice beard. That is an excellent that, That's beard. the first thing I'm noticing. I know. As, as a fellow bearded guy, I'm just super, I'm jealous more than anything. Now, see, this is where it's going to get interesting because I'm pretty sure B-Rush spends a lot of time on, on top. And originally, I, I thought Mohamed Faraz pulled it out, but I may have been a victim of uh, the moment here because as I rewatched it, I'm not exactly sure what I thought about it. But it is one of those things, Major. You're right. It was so tightly contested. And I see, right, there's a nice frame there. So really, like, you can't, give an advantage to either person at this point, right? I mean, Fraz is kind of against the cage, but if he doesn't do anything with it, that doesn't really score. And this is the thing with amateur MMA. I mean, this is already a minute down, and they're pretty much just clinching here. Yeah. And there's the first takedown right there, and that's B-Raj that ends up on top. Is that right? No, they're still in a dogfight. Oh, they're right still there. in the dogfight. Actually, B-Raj is on the bottom here, got back up to his feet. It's Faraz, sorry, that managed to get the takedown, but they were still basically 50-50 there. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to give him a little bit of an edge for aggression because he did go for it. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's I'm really interesting to talk to you about this. I think the next time we should do three, me, you, and Fuzz. I think yeah, I three commentators. Guy, if I didn't have a guy competing, I would have been up there at the table with you. Yeah, I think next time that would be the move because they do it in the UFC all the time. They got three commentators. Yeah. So let's say that we're still even up to this point. You can maybe give a little bit of an edge to Muhammad Faraz yeah. halfway through, even more than halfway through for the aggression. So now we're in the last minute here. Still anybody's round for sure. And let's see how this last minute looks. This is what I wanted here. Okay, so now that kind of that kind of balances out the aggression. He went four shots. And there's the takedown. Well, and now he's successful with this takedown. So now I'm putting, and he's in a good position as well. So he's I'm in gonna, the side control. Yeah. So now I'd say that Barrage is winning this fight. Barrage. Yeah. And s- still stuck here. I mean, he's got 15 seconds or so of, of top control. Mm-hmm. But what I will say about Mohamed Faraz, man, he rallied at the end. He really sucked it up. Almost mounted here. Spoiler alert for everybody watching this for the first time. Yeah, I'm pre- yeah. pretty sure. And there's 30 seconds left, okay? There's 30 seconds left in the round. b with the takedown to the side control. Gets up to his feet. Jumps oh, yeah. on his back. That's a nice one. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And no, see, this is where he rallies. Saying, there's 20 seconds left. See? Those are big, though. Yeah, those, those are big. Are huge, yeah. Now, and both he's guys... Not back, he's, not, yeah, he's not backing down. I mean, both guys sitting here slinging. But in Ten that seconds exchange, left. you got to say Faraz had the better... Uh, you got the better of that exchange. He throws the wheel oh. kick there at the end, and they duck. Man, it's tough, hey? That's a tough it's one. Right? So, tough. so they were one and one going into that. They were yeah. one and oh, one, God. for sure. For sure. I think it's fair to say they were both one and one. I don't know, man. What do you think? Kind of, I feel like we need, we need to run that back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. You guys listening out there? Lion we City. Run that back. Lion City. Virage. Hey, I'm not mad. Honestly, man, that might be a good call. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I know Alvin was thinking about doing some amateur belts. Yeah. I mean, because the fight was so good, it was so competitive, I, I have no issue with them making like an amateur belt, throwing those guys back in there in six months. Alvin told me that they're planning on doing the next one in like April, end of March, maybe April. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at a rematch of that. Would, would you be mad at a rematch? Nah, not at all. Love to see that. Well, okay, so do you value the aggression? I mean, to be fair, not much landed, but for sure he was pushing. Do you value the side control, 
the little back take there more than the flurry of aggression that well, not a lot landed there at the end. Well, nowadays in, in unified rules, it's supposed to just kind of be like a, a takedown, supposed to just be like a change of position, and it's not supposed to be so scored inherently heavy on its own, you know? There wasn't much done with it other than right. the takedown itself. Right, right. And, I, and to me, I, I, another thing I think about too is if they're able to kind of pop up without, without uh, too much damage, then that kind of takes away a little bit of its effectiveness, like or it didn't really do much for the for the fight. You know what I mean? You're well, talk- oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. From my point of view, you're talking two grappling exchanges, so they both got one apiece in the grappling exchanges. So then it does come down to that last 15, 20 seconds. I would I would say that here's the thing. I would say in the grappling exchanges that Biraj actually had a better grappling exchange because he was able to finish the takedown, land in a dominant position, control that dominant position for some period of time. Uh, wasn't able to mount much of a offense with the strikes but he did finish a takedown he did get a good dominant position um can, can you go back jake did did uh did faraz land anything in that last 15 seconds there oh yeah the first two he landed a couple of really good ones in that exchange the first two that that's why i think that maybe he stole that round with those two the first two punches that he threw off the break there yeah i think that's what the that's what the judges and the crowd kind yeah. of acknowledged as well yeah. Yeah. and nothing else the, the get up and the flurry toward the end that wheel kick at the end was pretty sweet he didn't land it but it, you know, it looks it looks hella good to the judges right yeah that's uh that's like a, <laughs> what you do in any close fight at the end of a close fight you throw, throw a, a crazy attack that looks really dramatic Stefan Bonner Forrest Griffin right? yeah, yeah the, the, the <laughs> fucking jumping throw, throw a wheel kick at the end when everybody's tired and yeah <laughs> like alright you want that last minute back yeah just yeah last, last 30, 30 seconds. seconds last 30 seconds well now you're having it from a minute <laughs> no, yeah okay. That's okay. I mean, it is fine. I, I think mean. it was too. I think. I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think Faraz landed two really good shots right here out of the out of the break. Not this one, but the uh, the last thirty seconds. And then uh, uh, Biraj landed a really nice one too. So I just, mean, th- it's really so close. You can't like no one lost. And this is what we said to both guys, right? Really, nobody lost this fight. Everybody, yeah. everybody won. The people watching, this both guys. Be- but in a second, is a beautiful. He's a beautiful reversal once he gets back up off the cage. Okay, well, so I mean, that's a clean takedown. Like. That's a clean takedown straight to the side control. Now, if we were to say one thing that B Raj could have done better was is just more aggressively get on top of Faraz when when he got the separation here, because if he if he had stayed on top the rest the last thirty seconds, he would have won. He yep. would have won the fight for sure. So uh, there's this moment here you got a little, where he's see, that's that's he got a little bit hasty. See there. some ground and pound here too, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, now right here, if he'd gotten on him, see if that little push. See if he closed the space right. Right here. Yeah, oh, he did though. I mean, he did. I but get. It's that break right there. Oh bop, yeah, right. Yeah, bop. that was those are the two uh, right here. Yeah, one good. of the fight. Right yeah, there, right. even there's a little yeah. bit. Tags him three he times. Back. Oh, you know what? But then he gets tagged. He gets hit back. Yeah, yeah you know so, what? I mean, that was a, it. Was a good exchange, but now I'm thinking Muhammad Faraz got the. <laughs> <laughs> I told you if I watched it again, I'd go back and forth. It was that close. Yeah, yeah, that's. And the the flurry there. The I mean, I'm, I'm giving it for the wheel kick. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's it. That's all I took. I, don't know, man. I think to, to be able to duck a wheel kick that close is pretty impressive too. <laughs> it's both, it both some matrix shit right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, guys. I mean, uh, I, it was my fight of the night. You could make an argument for for Glenn and ZT there as well at the end. But either way, I like this. I like I like this fight. It was a little bit more raw. Yeah, it's you know more raw. I mean? Yeah, right. More yeah. Raw. It's what like you, if it's you what saw, want to see in an amateur card. If you, know? you saw that in a street fight, you'd be like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, if that yeah, was yeah. two dudes fighting at the bar, you'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. that shit would be on, like, uh, World Star, and it would be, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that so, was a dope fight, man. That was a dope fight. And they you gotta, know, they got to run that back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say they got to do, do two out of three. Run it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two out of three, man. They got to do two out of three. Good stuff, guys. Yeah. Really good stuff. I mean, dude, the people in the gym were mental. Like, everybody was screaming. Yeah. Like, it, it was absolutely mental fight. So, great stuff. 
uh, you know, I don't want to blame. I, I will. I will pay money to go see them have a rematch, so they can have it as a pro fight and do five minute rounds. <laughs> oh, that then <laughs> if they had five minutes, you would start to see some stuff come to the surface a little bit more. Things like conditioning, the yeah. the elbows on the top position. Yeah, that last little exchange where Biraj was on top, he could have dropped elbows right there. Mm-hmm. And if he had another three minutes to work, he wouldn't have had to rush them out. Like like he was, yeah, yeah yeah exactly. Or two minutes to work yeah. So, I mean, either way, guys, great, great fight. Let's move on, though. Let's move on to the next one here. We'll get through this guard, and then we're going to talk about Will Chope's circus fight <laughs> in a little bit where he fought two people at once because we forgot to do it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, all, all right. right. So, because so the next one was really good, too. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, the next one was... Uh, Eugene Wee, was it? Yeah, Verde. Eugene Wee and, and Vredi. That was another one that... Yeah, uh, yeah if, another one here, Jake... Uh, if you on your own time, if you can go to the last same thing, I mean we can watch the last round there because this was another one that was one to one going into the third round, and uh, Vreddy had it had him man he had him he was on his back in the last I think thirty seconds of the round, and he ended up trying to punch when the position was a little sketchy, and then uh, Eugene ended up getting on top and then finishing there and again you're dealing with twenty seconds difference that uh, mo- made or break this fight. And, you know, it's that old, I mentioned it on the broadcast, the adage of position over submission. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a BJJ thing to say, but I, I say this to my guys all the time. If there's one thing I can tell anybody that's starting MMA specifically, it's that in MMA, if you're on the bottom or even on top, if you're not moving, you're getting punched, right? If I'm on top of you in any facet, like if, I'm, if you stop moving, the ground and pound is coming in. Once you start moving and trying to stand up, then I have to control you. Right? I can't punch you when you're on your way up because you're going to stand up and get away. So I'm forced to control you. He's going to keep my hands busy trying to control the position rather than punching you. And this was an example of the action was moving, and instead of him trying to control the position in the last 30 seconds, which would have won in the fight, he tried to punch from there and ends up getting reversed, and that, that was it. That, that was the end of the fight here. I remember this one. Let me get to you can play this for me so I can see. I mean, just do the last round. I mean, we, we can so do what, So this is what? One and one again? Yeah, one and one for sure going into the third round. All right. Oh, do you think, Jake? Do you, Here we go. So, and guys, Freddie and Eugene, this was another one. I mean, another great fight. I was exhausted by the end of these first five fights. I mean, I'm losing my shit. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck. I feel like I just ran a marathon. I was so tired from just the hype, <laughs> the hypeness. Yeah, I had like an adrenaline dump when I got home. Oh, yeah, me yeah. too. I literally just sat there like <laughs> had a couple beers sitting there like, Ugh. And I'm not even like shouting or anything. I'm just kind of casually... Peaking. But it is your guy fighting, and there's <laughs> yeah. a certain hype there, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember when you fought and I was cornering you, it was the same thing. By the end of it, I was just like, oh, my God, so exhausted. So we're here in the third round. Major, can you pass me a beer out of that bag, dude? I'll take whatever trash you throw my way. Oh, oh big one. Oh, boy. Hello. Yes. Uh, just Major's camera. Sure. Okay, no worries. Okay, so this here we it. are in the third round um, of Eugene Wee and Vredi. Okay, so one-to-one going into this round. And Vredi, I, I believe, was really winning a nice jab there. I'm commentating this for the second fucking time in two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vredi's yeah, coming forward. Oh, that was nice. It was a check hook, right? It looked yeah. like a check hook there. Both guys got some sneaky counters, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
They are game as fuck too. Yeah, they are. I was just about to say they are just standing and going at each other. Dude, Eugene, exchanging. Eugene in the corner looked like a serial killer. He looked like he was ready to fucking murder somebody. I looked over at him and like when he's just <laughs> sitting there in the corner, he's just staring across the cage. I was like, oh my god, this guy might kill somebody. Freddy with a nice left hand there. I mean, they're both scrappy as all there. hell. Yeah, this was a good one. Did you catch this one, Major? I think I caught pieces of it. I, wa- I watched it when I got home, but you know, I was helping moving around and doing stuff. So. Yeah. You got a family and shit, unlike me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh nice Eugene one. gets on top here. So it, 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 that's the first minute. So you got to give Eugene the first minute here. Oh, for sure. And he's landed some sneaky strikes as well. I feel like uh, Eugene picks his shots a little bit better. Yeah. On the feet. I- he doesn't throw as much volume or as much aggression, but he picks really nice ones. So we got Eugene. Okay, so we're we're halfway through this first round. Oh, this is interesting. Get the... But see that hug in the neck here. I want to see him frame and d- dig that left underhook instead of Ooh. hugging the head like that. This is the thing I kept seeing throughout the fight: is people hugging the neck there instead of framing with the forearm or shooting that underhook. I like to do the Philly shell from there. Put my hand on my belly so I can shoot that underhook through. It's really hard if you're in a topside crucifix, especially against the cage. Crucifix, yeah, it's, it's tough. Is this the third round, Jake, or the second round? Yeah, third round. Okay. Okay, well, maybe I called this wrong. Because right now, Eugene's... <laughs> it's right now, there's quite a clear uh, winner in this. Worked his way up, and there, there's the reversal. So, Vredi now gets on top. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Okay, so... So, you see, Vredi's... The position's not secure. He managed to get the hook in there, and he's punching here. Now, watch this. Watch as he starts to reverse. He's, he's going to start punching here instead of really locking down. See, watch this. He keeps going. He's going to keep going as Eugene starts to turn he inward. He the mount right here. See, I, that, I, see I, the punching right? Yes, he needs to kick over and take the, res, take the top position. See, this is, this is kind of like a jiu-jitsu habit sometimes. You yeah. see guys, they'll, they'll overcommit to the back and then they'll get reversed like this. Um, it wasn't even, even if he tried to control the back, it was too, it was too, too far nice, gone. He should have come over on top. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's still choosing to punch there or try to maintain that back position. And then a little bit of space here. Vredi works his way up to the feet. 15 seconds left. Pushing the pace. And here we go again. So another close one. But in retrospect, I think Eugene definitely he had more top, top top control time than that. I remember. I just remember thinking that that back position there at the end, he could have finished it there. Okay, Jake, that's good. But, yeah, it's, it's that positional thing where, you know, especially in amateur, mm-hmm. you only have such a little amount of time. And yeah. as soon as you lose a position, a scramble ensues. That's a third of the round gone, right? Because right. it's just like, I mean, imagine in jiu-jitsu if I was like, okay, you got a three-minute round, go. How many people are you going to submit with three minutes? If you have to do a takedown and if you... Yeah, yeah. It's going to be tough, right? But another, another good one. Both guys, one and one. Eugene got the takedown. Vredi got the reversal, got the back. He should have taken them out there instead of punching as, that, as he started to turn inward. Yeah. Take that top position rather than punching, but yeah, like I like I was just saying earlier in the podcast, like you have to think top to bottom more than the positions within top and bottom, right? Staying on top is more important <laughs> in MMA than yeah. than uh, putting yourself in a position where you can be put on bottom, especially when you can get the mount. I mean, dude, the the mount in MMA, people. What's your opinion on this, right? Because I it's always been a trend that I've seen through. All, I mean, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for for fifteen years, right? People don't tend to like the mount because it's a little bit, in my opinion, inherently less stable than like the side control mm-hmm. where you have the chest on chest. 
But in MMA, when you can punch from there, like like if you think of you know like Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman or something, mm-hmm. right, where you can really drop bombs there, and the only alternative to get away from it if you've got a good mount is to turn your back. Like the position, the mount position in in the gi, it's I think even better because you can cross collar choke, you can yeah. do, do a lot of different things. And they there, can't but, heel hook you when they push you off. Yes, exactly. They can't <laughs> heel hook you. Yeah. They can't do the kipping escape or, or something like that to get out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the mount. Would you? I mean, of course the back is king, right? But I almost mm-hmm. prefer the mount. In MMA? Yeah. If people try to turn the back, I'll, I'll try to lift the elbow and just keep it keep it I, there, I, right? I just let them spin. <laughs> like, you, you can go back to mount, back to mount. Because I, I feel like, okay, if you're talking about just a standard mount, it's okay, I guess. But there, there are different Mount variations with of, submissions only is different than mount with strikes, right? Well, the posture is just going to be different in both both guys if, you're, if you've got strikes, right? They're, you've got to kind of keep your hands up. It's hard to keep, put your hands on my hips. And if you do, if I you grab commit, it and I can I can grab your hands when you go to put your hands on my hips and then throw elbows over the top. And, and if you commit two hands to like to like hip escape from the mount, you commit two hands to that. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, now you're getting elbowed, you're getting punched in the face. Yeah, there's no, yeah, you're gonna have to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you have to do it, but it's not like, good. You, you can eat three, or you can stay there and eat thirty. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's some positions. Those are your choices. You're eating. You're eating something. Yeah, yeah, there's positions in MMA where you just have to accept that you're going to eat a few you know, if, in order to escape. Yep, shouldn't let him mount you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As Kurt <laughs> Oleander like, would say, you fucked up a long time ago, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You're going to have to eat something to get out of this. Yeah, man. Most likely. All right, so let's, let's hit up the next one, dude. What do we got here? Hold on, I can do this. I can do this. Oh, no, sorry. We have one more. Okay. Uh, this was another interesting one. Aaron Sim and, and Kenyon Tan. I, I, I kept saying this on the podcast. Aaron was like a – he almost reminded me of like a – like a Johnny Hendricks or something, like a bullish wrestler with it swings overhands to close the distance with some nice leg kicks from the outside. But that Kenyon Tan, man, when he was able to get into the boxing range, would I've never seen a, an amateur fighter so confident to throw flurries from the mid-range. Mm-hmm. You know, like a Kenyon, or um, uh, Aaron did a really good job of kicking from the outside. Mm-hmm. And then when he got close, he was really good with his wrestling. He was able to secure a couple takedowns. But that mid-range, that specific boxing range, Kenyon Ten was totally free to throw like four or five. He almost like Max Holloway ish. Mm. He would just pepper people with volume. The the knockout power wasn't really there. He was a thin guy, but he could just he was just overwhelming them with with flurries, and it was really really impressive to see. You don't often see guys that comfortable in the mid range. He must be a, a boxer because he looked really good. But it, that was a really interesting fight because it was whoever was in their range was more successful, and it was like plain to see, like clear black as black and white. Aaron was really good from the outside with his low kicks, and then he would throw looping punches, and he was really good from the clinch. But in that mid-range, Kenyon would throw like four or five in a row every time, just four or five, four or five, four or five. And by the end, Aaron was so tired because he had that explosive like winging overhands that like Kenyon ended up winning, but he, he probably could have maybe finished him there if he just put that flurry on at the end. But that was another one that was like I think one and one going into the third. Damn close fights, like really, really good stuff. Throw, fuck it, dude. Throw the last. Uh, <laughs> we would do this all day, dude. Throw that last uh, minute or the last three minutes there of that final round. You'll you'll see exactly what I'm saying because y- you're an, you're an expert of ranges as well and, and understanding what you see. And, and let me get your take on this because this is one of those things where if you can get into your range, if you're a if you're proficient there, it's you can really really win fights like that. Is round three? Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I had this one-to-one going into the third as well. And watch Kenyon's flurries and watch Aaron swing these overhands and then close it. But kicking on the outside. See, that's what he likes to do. But watch, watch these mid-range strikes from Blue Corner from Kenyon, the tall, uh, lanky guy. 
And see, so I, Aaron's winning up close in these clinch battles. And from the outside, he swings overhands and low kicks. But in the mid-range, I was really impressed with Kenyon's ability to just throw these flurries. But you can see Aaron tired, hands on his hips. I think a little bit of a... Bit of a groin strike Of the old testicle kick. <laughs> or testicle knee. Yeah, nothing do, do, works. Doing the jog there, the little uh, yeah, ball no, jog. Nothing works when you get in those when you get in the balls like that. You can try jumping, you can try burping, you can try putting your head between your legs. It's just nothing. You just got only time. Yeah, only time only will time. heal all those wounds. <laughs> well, I was saying on the on the broadcast that Kenyon should have just sucked it up and gone because Aaron was so tired. He he literally puts his hands on his knees at one point. I think it's in the third round. And if you see that, you kicked in the nut. You keep going, right? Because he he was so tired. Easier said than done. Those are nuts, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I've been kicked. I don't know. I've just been kicking the nuts so many times. I can't even. <laughs> I definitely think my you can you can condition your balls. To some degree. Yeah, it used to it used to just floor me when you get when I get hit. Now, now it's just another day in the office. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. all right. Okay, so here we go. We're back in the action. Only thirty seconds have gone by. So here's the looping things I'm talking about, Aaron, from the outside. Here comes the low kicks, too. He was really good at timing that. But watch the mid-range here. This is when look, – look at him throwing these combos from the mid-range. A real – and the knees here, that was the trick for Kenyon because the body work was going to get him finished here. It just stays right in his face and starts throwing volume. See, I like how he's, he's cut off the cage and he's using uh, that wall. So now the guy uh, – yeah, yeah, good call. He can't, he can't draw. He can't, or he can't, he can't uh, pull. He can't pop. He can't move away in any, in any way. Yes, it just kind of eat the punches and accept the fight at that range. And it crushes your cardio when somebody's in your face that long. Yeah, because they get to ch they get to choose how fast your treadmill goes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's terrible. Okay, so we're about halfway through the third round here. Same but thing. he's the ring general right now. He's yeah, exactly. He's controlling the cage. But those looping punches on the outside are still dangerous from Aaron. Yeah. See that? And he is tired, man. He's he really a... sucked it up by the end here. Nice yeah. let right hand there from Aaron. But in the, in that range where he's in the boxing range, is he's cutting him off again yep. and just swarming him. See, this is what Short I'm saying. Work, yeah, yeah, he must have some boxing underneath him. Yeah, he looks like a boxer. Hey, even here, totally willing to eat this. Look at the look at. I mean, he's just throwing eight punches. I think nine, ten. Gets the good good underhooks here. Frames off. Gets in his oh. face. More punches. See, right. This is what I'm saying. Look at these I flurries. Absolutely hate when that happens. <laughs> I'd almost rather be hit with a really hard one. Like, yeah, why are you doing this? Because when they're in your face, like yeah. that Nick Diaz style, and he has that yeah. Diaz style, like slapping combos. Yeah. But I will say, I feel like Kenyon let him off the hook here a little bit at the end of the round. I feel like he could have finished him. And I'm screaming in the in the microphone like butt knee, body, like liver shot. But see, look at him, yeah, just man, slips man. back in the mid range. Peppers him, peppers him. Yo, fair play to Aaron, though. He's still throwing. Oh, back. yeah, he did. Right. He did. I thought he was actually done at the end of the second round, but then he just steps there. Look at his hands. He's done. Oh. If Kenyon just sees letting him off here a little bit, one hard knee to the body right there with the with the hands up, and that may well. I mean, that's, that, maybe he's not. Yeah, there there right. it is. See how, yeah, you see that? And he keeps going. But then Aaron's going to fucking throw another haymaker here and just, just enough to back him off. Is this a close fight going into this round? Or one to one. Oh, yeah. One to one again. But see, see how he peppers him from the. He fights like a Diaz brother, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Nick Diaz style. Like, yeah, just eat, eat the bombs and then just flurry, flurry, flurry. Yeah. I would like to see him throw a, a liver shot underneath. That's what I said. Yeah. yeah, the left hook to the body, the knee, even a switch kick mm -hmm. to the liver. Another, another good one, man. Another damn close fight. Interesting stylistic clash there too. That was fun. I could listen. I'll see a rematch of that too. There's a few here. I wouldn't be mad at a rematch. So damn close. It'd be 
be fun to mix these guys up too. With different different styles. Like. Jake, how many bantamweight and featherweight matches were there? Uh, one, two bantamweight. So that was a, what weight was that just now? Was that feather? That was okay. That was lightweight. Lightweight. So there's no other lightweights on the card. But these are pretty soft lightweights. I'll be honest with you. They they could cut like I feel like a few of the bantams could go here, and a few of the feathers could go here, and a few of the lights. Yeah. You, to your point, they could mix and match a few of these guys here and have some other damn interesting fights. Yeah. If these guys are keen to fight again. And and, and now now I got this. Aloysius, Aloysius. <laughs> why can't I say this fucking name? Oh you know, I can't remember what we said it was anymore. Like, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> I, I've mind I fucked you by. Yeah, I did, and then you started saying it. I feel, I feel like Brendan Schaub, like when he's trying to pronounce a fucking Chinese name. You know how much it drives my wife crazy when she calls him <laughs> Lee Jingling, <laughs> Jingling, Jingling. <laughs> I'm just like it drives my wife and me crazy, and here I am doing the same shit. I'm sorry, dude. Aloysius is an English name, isn't it? The it's way you said English, it. I think. Say it again. Aloysius? Oh, God, I can't do it. I don't know. I don't know why. When you say it, it sounds right. I've never heard the name outside of Singapore, but I think it's yeah. an English name. I've never said it. Have and you heard the name in England, Jake? Yeah, I think it, it's an old English name. Yeah, I think oh, so yeah, too. Yeah, yeah it, but that was a great fight, and uh, shout out to both those guys, and, and shout out to uh, Keon, who, who you know what he told me uh, going in. <laughs> I, I sent him a message, and I was like, "Hey, man, what's your martial arts experience?" And then I spoke to him again at the event, and he's like, "Oh, the only thing I did was." Like, uh, you know that thing that you do where you put on, like, suits of armor and swing swords at each other and shit? Oh. <laughs> That's what he did. That's what nice. he did. And, it, like, kind of like LARPing, right? But not really LARPing because they would do, like, these battles where they would wear the suit of armor and they would... And I was like, really? You did that? He's like, yeah. And I was like, God, I wish you could... I'd be t-. He's like, yeah, it's kind of nerdy, right? I'm like, dude, I'd be totally into that. Yeah. I've like, seen that before. It's pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. He was like, oh, it's kind of nerdy. And I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. I would totally do that. Get in touch with my deep European roots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was another one. Uh, what, what's his last name? So I could just not butcher it. Uh, Hung Huang. What's his Aloysius's last name? <laughs> Hung. It's, it's a little Hung. Bit blurry. Is it Hang or or Hung? Hung, right? Hung, I believe. So he trains out of Evolve. Uh, yeah, so good fight. A little bit overmatched there for Keon, but you know it was his first fight. He's only been training. I think he mentioned a year and a half. He was like, oh, I was like, oh, how did you feel afterward? You're, you're okay, right? Not too fucked up. And he goes, yeah, the worst one that surprised me was uh, he hit me with a push kick to the solar plexus that almost like made me want to vomit. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. You get that front kick. It's like the snappy kind with the ball of the foot. Right. Yeah, he said it was the heel. Oh, the heel. Which is almost worse because okay. so hard. And I was like, yeah, dude, I know. I've nearly shit myself off that one many times. <laughs> Man, if you don't see – I mean, you can take 10 of those if you know it's coming. But that one that just slips underneath, you're like, motherfucker. Yeah, you're exhaling yeah. and your stomach isn't flexed. <clears throat> yeah. You know who hit me with one of those one time is Matt. Mm. Big Matt, 100 kilo, fucking 50-year-old Jack Matt. <laughs> Dude, he hit me with a push kick one time, and I didn't show it because I'm not going to let that motherfucker know. Right? <laughs> I didn't show it, but he hit me with one one time, and I was like, I might shit myself. Like, I c- couldn't breathe, and I'm like, I'm not – poker face, right? Yeah, yeah poker Major, face. by the way, has one of the best poker faces of all time. But yeah. it was one of those things, too, where I was like, I'm not going to let this asshole know that he hurt me. <laughs> but same thing, that rear snap kick to the solar plexus, it's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he mentioned he got caught with that, and that's what kind of doubled him over, and then he got tagged a few times. And, and it's amateur, so the referee stopped – Way quicker, hmm. you know, trying to protect the guys. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rough strike to absorb. Let's go, let's go to the next one. Now we're getting toward the end of the card here. So you got, uh, Nigel Lum and Pokai is there. Yeah, another one. Another one. So Pokai Sir is uh, Shinya's guy. He trains out of uh, Sh- uh, Synergy. 
And uh, this was a guy that I kept mentioning on the podcast. First of all, uh, Kaiser, your heart, your heart is on point, dude. But you're gonna have to work that uh, striking reactions, because uh, you know he was he was the only one I saw that was pretty pretty flinchy when he got hit. Mm. And uh, is that the first thing that you notice with beginners when they start striking, when they start sparring? Like the first bad habit you have to sort of get out of people is like turning away and flinching when strikes are coming. Yeah, I mean this this is something that people. Everybody has this. I say ninety percent of people have this when you almost crash. everybody that beginners. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they all have it. Yeah. You get, do you do drills, or is it just experience for you to to start to try to kill that urge to flinch when somebody's throwing strikes at you? There are some drills. I think it probably helps like a small, small amount, right? Ultimately, it's like a it's a thing you're gonna have to face at some point. You're gonna have to actually just get hit if you want to be comfortable getting hit. <laughs> so yeah. just experience, just sparring. I mean, that's going to be the majority of what's, what takes that away. You can do little things, you know, like you can have, uh, like when guys are really new and they're just really, really flinching and you're barely touching them, then you can, the little drills might help like that. But if you really get hit, though, a lot of guys are going to turn away. Even even experienced guys will turn away if you haven't been sparring hard in a while. Especially in a fight, if it's your first fight. Like yeah. in the gym, if you know your partners are taking care of you. Mm-hmm then you might be able to stay in the pocket and absorb those strikes without turning away. But when people throw full power shots at you for the first time, yeah. like really trying to hurt you, yeah. you, you can have that reaction. I remember the first time it happened to me, I used to think I was such a pussy. <laughs> really? I just thought I was like weak. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, because someone throws a hard shot at you and it's just your impulse to turn away. And I just remember being like, why am I like that? Why can't I just like <laughs> take it and say it? But the reality is, like you said, almost everybody reacts that way. I remember the first time I got hit in a, in a fight. I remember thinking it was going to be like so painful, and then when I got hit, I was like, "Hey, that wasn't that bad." <laughs> what about the first hard body shot? Uh, those are always rough because you don't feel the head. Yeah, unless it hits you right in the nose or the eye, and you get that fucking flash, no, it, or the nose and the eyes start to water, and like it definitely hurt. But I think I was overhyping it in my head because I was like, "Man, if these guys are hitting me at like fifty percent in the gym, and it hurts this bad, like when I get hit in the in the fight, it's going to be like." Twice as bad, right? But actually, like, with the adrenaline and everything, I think I was just mentally prepared for a harder shot. And then I told, like, some of my... I've told some of my other guys when they first fight, I'm like, you know what, when you first get... I told, I told them that story, like, when you get hit, it doesn't even hurt that bad. When they got hit, they're like, that was fucking terrible. What are you talking about? Like, that absolutely sucks. Like, <laughs> You're like, oh, we were not in the same place here. Yeah. <laughs> like, their face, like, walking in, like, was kind of like, this is, this is going to be okay. They get hit, they're like, hey, like, looking at me, like, hey, coach, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why does this hurt so bad? I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't set your expectations at anything. Cause I think well, everybody's different. High, yeah. Everybody's sort of different with how they react to the strikes, though, right? I, I remember I was very flinchy, for sure. Uh, when I first, I mean, I was 17 or something like that when I when I first did my, uh, maybe 19. Hmm. And yeah, I, but I just remember thinking that it was a, like a weakness in me when realistically it was just I was, I was untrained, hmm. right? And that's such a common, it's really hard to train yourself to get over that mental hump to like stand in the fire. Because, you know, if you, what you turn, what happens when you, and I, this is how I always tell my students, right? Because they often ask about angles. You know, when you start to get better in striking, right. angles become more and more important. And I use like a jujitsu analogy that if you and I are directly in front of each other, if you're like an open guard and I'm facing you directly, both your feet are on my hip, we're 50 50, there's no angle achieved. If you don't move and I circle around you, as I get closer and closer and closer toward your back, my angle becomes more and more and more and more dominant. You would have to be punching more and more across your body, taking away your power and it opens up power shots to the body or to the head right Right. and the thing is when you get when you get hit and you turn away you're giving that dominant angle and you're taking away your power because now if you're over here if you're 
like 45 degrees, let's say, to my left, then I would have to punch across my body, which is going to be so weak that there's no real power unless I spin. Right. That, that would be the only way to avoid a bad angle like that is if you throw a spin. And, but it's, it's really – it does take – it's just experience, I think. So many people equate it to toughness, including me when I first started, but it is just experience. It is, yeah, it's that. I wonder why our natural reflexes for uh, getting hit are so, such a bad reaction. Especially after like millennia of war, right? Like why? Imagine like we throw, you try to hit me with a sword, and I'm like, oh god, and I turn away, and you lop off my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, like other things make sense. Like for example, you, try, you ever try to pull a two year old to go somewhere they don't want to go? They'll drop their level. They'll make themselves really heavy, right? They'll make like their base. Fetal. Yeah, they'll just drop. They'll drop the dead just, weight. Yeah, and then they make themselves heavy, and like wow. Did you take like years of judo to learn that? Or, <laughs> no, you just have that natural reaction, right? But if you hit somebody, they they close their eyes and look away, like. Well, that's not very useful. Like Charmaine's always like that. I always make fun of her because like when we'll be sparring or something, and then you know sometimes I'll do the thing like uh, Kenyon was doing there, where I'll just like get in her face and I'll just death by it, and I'm just like bang, 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 and eventually she'll just fetal. She'll just like collapse to the ground, <laughs> cover all, cover all of her vital organs, and I'm like, what? What are you doing here? Like this was like years ago, right? Yeah, we've, yeah. And I'm not like hitting. Her. I'm just like dang, 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 and it's just constant, and she just like gets overwhelmed, and then yeah. boom, goes to the ground, fetal position, and yeah, it's just because you're protecting your vitals, I guess. You, you know, you go to the fetal, you cover up your head. That tends to be not, the thing though. I see. Like, you're actually you're like, turning away your face. Yeah. You're, you're leaving everything exposed by doing but that. But realistically, what <laughs> you're, you're doing that is... No threat to whatever's attacking you. But you're taking away your face. You're taking away your heart. You're taking away your stomach, right? You're taking away the front side, the vital organs, to cover everything up in that fetal position. There's some... There's some... I feel yeah, like evolutionary... If we, if we evolved with unified rules, I suppose... <laughs> not allowed to strike the spine. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <to> imagine. <laughs> if, if you're covering your face, but I hit you in the spine, you're never feeding yourself again. You know? yeah, yeah, like, fair enough. Yeah. But... Yeah, which is weird. But you're also protecting your throat, and you're protecting your heart, and you're protecting your abdomen. See, the most, the most dangerous places to hit a person are in the back the back of the head the spine but yeah. go ahead well your eyes though like your eyes are so shit and useless and you're being throat. protected and but, your no, heart no, but you think, think about your eyes like in the fights today in the UFC eye pokes keep happening like you get poked in your eyes you're fucked so that's why we you're flinching to try and protect your eyes surely I mean there's got to be an evolutionary evolutionary basis for it right it's certainly not random I, don't, I also don't understand why we knock out like, why is that going to help me in this situation? <laughs> I could do that on my own. I could just play dead. But like, yeah, it is, it is playing dead, right? right? Apparently. Why does it I, manually I, override my consciousness? When you, uh, when you black out drunk, apparently that's your body going, well, we've got two options. Either stay awake and die or go to sleep and maybe I can save your life. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Let's take the bro science out of this, Jake. Can, can, you, can you Google no. why, why do we get knocked out? Like what is what what's I don't know how to Google this, but what is the self-preservation mechanism? I, I've heard it talked about. I can't. I should know this. You feel like I would know this, but w- there is definitely it does it does something to preserve all the. Bl- I've heard something like all the blood is going to your vital organs, and it it it. it there is something I've heard. I, I can't repeat it, and I don't remember exactly, but I'd be quite curious about what the mechanisms are for why if you get hit in the jaw, there's something about the nerve, right, and all that kind of shit, yeah, but. Yeah. I wonder what the evolutionary reason for why... Yeah, because now you're just a fucking dead object on the ground that right. people can like just... The, the bear's going to be like, oh, well, I'm not eating that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder wonder what that is. Why do we get knocked out? What, why does our body like just be like, zip, zap, you're, you're done? 
could be like a natural selection thing, right? Like all of us who didn't get knocked out want to continue on fighting and died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many times do you reckon you've been like? I mean, I mean, I guess you could say knocked out cold, but how many times do you reckon you've had something along the lines of a knockout in your your life? How many times do you think you've been? Would, would you count chokeouts? No, no, no I'm short circuited and like, like yeah, probably once or twice. Yeah, I don't think I ever have been. No, I've been dazed. I've been stunned. I've been like, I, I've had the knees like get loose, but like out cold, like totally. Uh, I'm pretty happened. suspicious that I've been knocked out in fights that I've won. I, I, there was like not like not flash and woken up like that kind of thing. They jump on me and punch me and then I like throw up a triangle like one of those kind of things. Mm. Like I don't remember getting there. <laughs> like that's you just teleported and you're in a triangle and you're like oh yeah. shit yeah <laughs> yeah. I, oh I knocked myself out in a jiu-jitsu tournament once. Oh you did <laughs> yeah. Did you jump guard like an idiot? No I tried a flying armbar. Oh that's the but that's the same thing. You may as well jump guard you fucking pussy. What nah, are you doing? <laughs> jump for a submission bro. Like I got look I saw I saw like a. I was just training with Barrett, and I saw his like highlight read like this flying armbar. Never like, trained it, saw it on YouTube. You're like, I'm gonna do this immediately. Yeah, my first never try. Even, didn't even study it. Just saw it once. I was like, oh, flying armbars are possible. And then I, I thought about like how I do an armbar. Like you know, I think we showed like that cross grip. Where you grip across the shoulder. Yeah. And then I remember that. And then one. you rotate that way, right? The problem is when you do that and you go upside down, that grip falls off. So, but I did it with absolute confidence. I was like, if you're going to do this move, you have to do it like you mean it, right? Like, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yo, so I just, for sure. I just jumped, like, and I, I just, and I remember, like, waking up. You hit so, your back of the head on the mat or something oh, like that? I completely went upside down and just fell straight on my oh, head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I had the video of it, man. I was too bad I lost it. But I remember, like, uh, when, I, when I hit head first, upside down, like, my legs stiffened. And then uh, it looked Oof. like I it looked like I threw up a guard, but it's just like, like my leg stiffened. And then the other guy jumps on my leg and he's straight ankle locking me while I'm unconscious. Oh shit! <laughs> At least you're like, wow, that leg yeah. is right there. So I, I woke up and I was like, fuck, my leg hurts. <laughs> like, and I looked down, I was like, oh shit. And I, yeah, then I tapped. But then. Uh, you could see even the referee didn't notice it because he probably just looked at my legs and looked at the other guy attacking my legs. That's where his focus was. But I was completely unconscious. I was like stiff like that. Well, actually, I think that's a good, that's a good testament to the fact that, you know, as, as we're sitting here and, br and breaking down these amateur fights, I mean, I just described how when I would get hit, I thought I was a pussy and I would turn away. And, and then you're describing a thing that you would probably see your students do. And you may have seen your students try to do a similar thing in competition. And you're like, what the fuck are you thinking? I never taught you how to do that. Yeah. But meanwhile, you've done it. Meanwhile, I've done it. Like, we've all done these stupid things that it's easy to say in hindsight, like, because <laughs> we never taught you to do that. Don't do that. But we've made all of these same mistakes that these people will make and then maybe someday these guys will be black belts and their students will make and it, it really is a thing that it's experience and we're not coming from a place of like being on a pedestal because we've made all of the same mistakes oh, yeah, that yeah. all of these people have made right yeah it just and then just doing things in the wrong order right so like i get back to the gym on monday and Barrett's like, hey, I was in the tournament. It's like, yeah, all right. Uh, hey, Barrett, how do you do a flying armbar? <laughs> <laughs> I should have probably asked that first. Right? In, in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah. advance. Yeah. So, was, he, was he like, why'd you ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So check this video that I got <laughs> real quick. So did you find that, Jake, on the knockout thing? Just If not, no, we can move on. There's no conclusive answer. Okay. People are just get broke. People are also bro science in it online. Okay, yeah. so bro science is the correct science in this yep. case. Yeah. All right, fair enough. That's what I was hoping to hear. <laughs> All right, so let's, we're, we're on the main event here, or the co-main. Co-main. Yeah. So we're on uh, uh, ZT, Zenteng, and Glenn. This is probably the, the most technical fight of the night, I'd say. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. This could have been, this could have been a easily a 1FC-level fight. 
Did you have you trained with these guys before? Uh, I never trained with anybody from Evolve. They're kind of their own yeah thing. But I've, yeah, I've trained with. You trained with Glenn? Yeah, I've seen him around. Yeah, seen him around at the competitions and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I was really impressed with the the technical level for both guys. I'll tell you what, I mentioned this on the broadcast many times. Glenn has got the timing on that low leg kick. When guys are stepping in, and the trick with sweeping out the leg like that is that the weight can't be on the lead foot. It has to be shifting to the lead foot. Like, you got to get them mid. So it's different, right? Because if I'm trying to time a low kick when you step in, I want your weight to be on your foot, right? If I want to kick you in the calf or I want to kick you in the thigh, if I want good timing on landing the impact, I want your weight to have just put down on that foot so that way you can't check it, right? But if you want to sweep out the leg, you want the foot to be moving forward, but the weight not actually on it, which is a really, really specific timing. And I'm pretty sure Glenn swept him with that four times or something like that in the first two rounds. He's got damn good timing on that that sweeping the front leg when uh, ZT would step in like that. And uh, do you want to you want to throw some of yeah, this up? Yeah, I think he fought the right way to fight a guy who's very mobile like that. And if you don't have Glenn? the same, yeah, because he relied more on his. Uh, Timing, rather than his movement, because I think ZT definitely wins the movement. Like if they have a dance competition, ZT murders them, right? But uh, smoother maybe. Oh or? yeah, his movement's really good. But uh, Glenn's timing is really good, and he can make reads. He can he can at least he recognizes certain patterns, you know. And he can sort of see things coming in. And he was making he had good timing on the the kick, mm. and he had really good timing on the takedowns as well. Because mm. in that in that third round, I'm pretty sure that may have been one to one as well. Or nah, I, close. Had, I had Glenn winning every All round. three? Yeah. I definitely had him winning the last two. I remember the first. No, you're actually, you're, you're right, because he managed to sweep his leg out in the. Like when you finish a round with a guillotine against the cage, I think. I mean, it, it wasn't locked in, but it, it still looks pretty dominant, though. Yeah. 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 You're right, but it was competitive. Yeah. And yeah. But it was competitive, though, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mentioned that. But except for that last round. That last round was. That's when Glenn sort of took over. Yeah. Yeah. Which was which is what you want to see from a fighter, right? Is like mm-hmm. if it gets close, the one guy who, as the fight goes on, gets more dominant. Then the yeah. the skill really starts to show itself as the fight goes longer and longer. I think he's, he figured out where his advantage was because he, he on the ground he had like really good control. Like he was pinning, he was trapping hands, he was kabibing. He wasn't going through a jujitsu meta, you know. He was using a proper MMA meta and like just pinning hands and keeping the guy down and landing punches and not really trying to move into like two hooks in kind of back position, but just kind of riding and smashing. What yeah. would you let me throw this at you because uh, in the uh, Singapore Grappling Invitational that you and I commentated on, you can go back and watch that if you want. Um, uh, Glenn fought Kaishong. He, yeah, yeah. he competed against Kaishong. Would you be interested in seeing them in an MMA fight? I don't know, man. I think Glenn's a lot bigger than Kaishong in, in for some reason. Is he lightweight? But either the other thing is too, Glenn's uh, Kaishong's now three and pro. Yeah. And this is Glenn's still an amateur. That's why I'm saying. But yeah. and another question that I had is, do you think these guys are ready to go pro? Oh, ZT and Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, they they could definitely. They, like I said, this could be this could have been a uh, undercard. The, this sta- I, I watched this one. And the standard was, you know, yeah. pro standard. Oh yeah, for sure. These are these are good. I feel like there's two kinds of amateurs out there. There's guys like figuring it out, trying it out. You know, like I want to see if my jujitsu works with punches coming. There's those kind of guys, and there's guys who are like almost like professional level amateurs like these i feel like zt the only reason they're not pro maybe he wants to do imma championship or something like that i feel like that's the only reason these guys aren't pro like or maybe they they 
they they know the Olympics are going to have MMA in a few years, and they want to keep their amateur status because of that. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to move into pro. They've got enough experience. The skill level is yeah. there, but maybe the interest for that specific thing is not quite there for whatever reason. Maybe yeah. they want to do more amateur competitions. Because ZT or... has like a thousand amateur fights. Really? Yeah, he has a lot of amateur fights. And they're not even all on record. I just know that these guys, uh, I just see their names just pop up on random cards. My like, jeez, they're always, they're always competing. Yeah, so this guy's super, super experienced. Yeah, this yeah. was this was one of those ones where uh, you you can just see like a you know we both have trained eyes. I mean, yeah. I've seen fucking ten thousand fights. I mean, I don't even know how many fights I've seen at this point, Th- thousands and thousands. And you you can see they're doing things right. They're setting up their takedowns. They're setting up their strikes. Really good at connecting the disciplines, the kicks and the punches and the takedowns. Underhooking right, learning how to stand up, framing right. Just the the nuts and bolts are all there. They're at that point now where I, I agree with you that they're in like that that pro level. And then at this point, it's just really like ref- now you're getting the razor's edge, right? You're really refining to a sharp, sharp skill set. But these guys could, I mean, three years of dedicated training, yeah, they're they're they could fight in one. You know what I mean? They're they're right there. I think yeah. The, the, the thing about one and ones. It, it gets deep pretty quick. You, well, at the at the bottom end, it's whatever. At the top end, that's when it gets deep. But there aren't a lot of guys in between, is what yeah. I'm saying. And they'll you throw go, you to the deep end, even if you're not ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> three fights. Uh, who have we got next? Eddie Alvarez. What? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, because you've killed the other three guys yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from Southeast Asia, so yeah. now you're going to have to fight these. Yeah, it's so true, man. It's so yeah. true. But, yeah, that, that was great. All right, dude, let's get to your boy. Uh, why don't you just uh, take the lead here? And, and what were your thoughts going into this? What were your thoughts on the day, and then what were your thoughts, like all things, afterward? Man, this is always like a super sort of like stressful situation because there's not like, everyone knew that Kaishong was going to win this fight. You know what I mean? Um, the the pro, the reason why is there aren't any pros in Singapore. There aren't like there's not like a scene of pros. There's a few amateurs floating around. Like these guys should be pro, but they're they're still amateur, right? And then there's, it's just hard to find matchups. But you know, pro is what it is. Like it's you have to. You have to build your record up. You have to keep fighting before you get into those big shows. You have to have enough um, <clears throat> wins under your belt to be able to still be marketable if you do take a couple of losses once you get into that big show. You know, if you go in there 0 and 0 and you lose two fights, fuck, dude, right? Yeah. But if you go in there 10 and 0 and you're 10 and 2, you can still be a marketable. You know, you can still make another run and have a marketable record to be potentially champion or whatever, right? Because a lot of it's the showmanship or is the it's a show too, right? Pro is more uh, amateur is more pure. I feel it's more more about pure competition. Pro is more about selling an idea of this person being, you know, having a mystique about them, right? They're unbeatable or hard to beat or something like that, right? How many uh, amateur fights did did Kai Shong have? Five. Let me think. No, he's this was his eleventh fight, so he, he had this seven. Or eight. I think eight. I think eight. So this is his 11th fight. Yeah. Okay. So, which is, listen, I mean, he's, he's experienced and he's, he's one of those guys that he, you know, he's a, he's, he's a, and again, don't take this offensively, dude. You know, Kai Shong, you know, I fucking love you, but he's a low level pro, meaning that he's just beginning his, his career as a pro. I mean, he's a purple belt, right? I mean, he's got, he's been training everything the whole time. And at this point it's all skill building. It's getting those fights. And to your point, especially in the COVID pandemic, it's really hard to, to find good fights for him. But yeah, I mean, to your point, did you did you see the video that they posted of uh, Zidane in his training or or whatever 
leading yeah. up to this. I think Lion City posted a, a video. You know, I, I don't know what his experience was going into this, but he was I, pretty game though. To be fair, oh, he was game as fuck. He came out swinging. Yeah, but yeah. that that shows his his sort of inexperience. And again, yeah. Zidane, dude, just listen to what I'm saying. It's not offensive to you. I'm an idiot. Like I I fucked up. I started. My fight's too early, made a lot of mistakes, just as anyone does. And I believe this was his first pro fight, but I don't know what his experience was uh, in jiu-jitsu. I don't know what belt, if any, he has, what his wrestling is like, what his striking like. He looked pretty uncomfortable on the feet. I mean, just loop. He lost his balance like three times, throwing kicks and stuff, which is the nerves, Mm -hmm. right? It's the nerves of getting in there and, you know, a a lot of stuff like that. And it's hard to... Gauge. The, I mean, he did tag. He did tag Kaishan early on in that round, busting him right in the nose with a good shot that sort of off balanced Kaishan. He, he's game, and he, you know, even up until that choke, he was. How many strikes do you think that dude took? It was kind of a. a it's kind of a again, dude. It's not offensive, but it was kind of a merciful submission from Kaishan because he literally could have just sat there for two more minutes if he didn't go to the head and arm, and he was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna." If he wanted to just pound him out, he, uh, you know. I don't know how long the referee there would have allowed it to go, but he could have sit there and just pounded on him for another two minutes. Probably could have thrown another 30 or 40 head strikes on him. The, the problem was he, he was fighting it. He's resisting so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, yeah. I mean, he no, he like, was like, not. He just relaxed a little bit. He could have been, He could have gotten out of there with far less strikes. <laughs> yeah, but the guy was game, right? Yeah, he was game, yeah. And, uh, Jake, can you can you pull up the, the hematoma that he had? Cause this well, was... Do you want me to? Do you want to? Because it's first round finished. Do you want to just wash it through? Sure. Why not? Yeah, and I'd also be curious about the punch that, that tagged Kaishan. He just kind of walked in. Ja- yeah, yeah, it was him trying to. By the way, Kaishan's got a really good switch, uh, a switch left, a switch left overhand, and a switch cross that I really, there really like. He was kind of testing the waters, you know. I think he was seeing, like, I mean, getting what, hit with one what, what face does he bite on? How does he react to certain things? He just kind of came forward and just wanted to see what was going to happen. But I think, you know, it. If you're less experienced, you just bite on everything. Yeah, you just and swing was, at everything. You bite on everything. And that was what happened. There was yeah. that was the jab right there. And see, he throws an overhand so hard he nearly falls no, over. I don't think that was the jab. And that was go back, uh, uh, Jake, if you don't mind. Huh? He caught him with one jab there for sure. I don't know if that nah, was the that was, jab that kind uh, of that kind of off balanced him, but he definitely caught him right there. You know, but then you see uh, Zidane throw a punch so hard that he falls over. Like, I mean, it, you really can't be doing that. You got to keep balance, guys. Balance when you're striking is everything. Especially in MMA, when you can take down, you can do all these other things. If you can off balance somebody, so it's going to come up right here in a second. He's going to stick him with his jab, right, and it's coming up here. Dink, right there, caught him with a jab, coming in, and then threw the overhand and fell over. Yeah, that wasn't the one. That it's coming up here in a second, but he, he tagged him there a little bit. And see, he falls down again. But it's you, just an experience. You just see Kai like settle into it as well. Yeah, there's a, that was a jab there that that, that off bat. See, I mean, he's throwing so hard he can't even keep his keep his balance. He's not managing his distance. That's no. why he's kind of he's looking for a buggy choke. Yeah, here. which was interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is all, it, it, it's not a bad move if you're Zidane because it's yeah. something different. Yeah. And if you don't know how to handle it, if he's if he's got it here, that that it's something that you probably don't see often he's in the gym. Got the body type for it too. Yeah, totally. Probably, that long, lanky body. I'd be so pissed if you got that buggy. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's partly because yeah. I've been trying it every year for like the last five years. And I, bro, I love you. You don't have the body type for a fucking buggy choke. Okay, I love yeah. you, but I mean, so this it, is this I thought was interesting too. So he's using the top side crucifix right here, right? But he's he's trying to create so much uh, space 
because he's still thinking like an amateur fighter where you'd have to punch. So he's posturing up so much. But in actuality, he could just hug it. He could just touch his ear, hand on the ear, and go low, and then just the cutting rain, ones, right? Where it's just bang, yeah, rain, bang, rain down the elbows. But totally. he's, he's creating so much space because I guess it's just all those amateur fights he's used to having so much. And can you pause so it here, space. Jake, real quick? Right, right there. If you can pause it. That. Yes. Okay. So here, here's tagging into your point, uh, guys. If you're and it goes back to, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast about these guys who uh, in the side control are hugging the neck. Now, what, what Kaishan wants to do is keep his head on the inside of that arm so he can keep throwing this, these punches from the crucifix, right? But as, as Kaishan separates to land these shots, if, if Zidane can bridge over the shoulder and swim that underhook in, he's going to be able to possibly get that far side underhook and then get up to his knees. Kaishan's doing a good job of using his head to low, to get lower and prevent it but at the same time he's sitting up to create space that move where you you know you're on your back and you swim over your shoulder and then you pummel your elbow in to get that underhook that, would, it, that wouldn't work from this position if Kaishong was doing this properly he should be, he should no, be closing but, off the circuit with his head against his ear right here and there'd be literally no way for him to pull that arm out well if if you're doing it though if he's throwing the strikes the way you're describing them where he keeps them short yeah and he's doing that but because he's separating to create yeah. space if he can bridge over his shoulder and pummel that underhook in mm. he'll be able to escape this is a version of the the underhook that i'll show when i do my technique video this week because there's a mm. few people who are hugging the neck from here in side control instead of framing on that bicep and then shooting their elbow through to get that far side underhook which gives you a path to the feet, to the knees, and to possibly the single leg. You want, actually, uh, what you want to do is address the problem of the arm that's trapped by the legs first. So you want to actually bridge towards that so that you can get the angle to pull your elbow back towards your body. Okay, Once so you wait, free just, that arm, describe what you're, describe, uh, is there a better frame here? Describe what you're saying, Major. I'm, okay, I'm so typically when you're in a top side crucifix like this, you have an arm trapped um, on both sides, right? So one's being trapped by the legs, the other is being trapped by, by the head. your opponent's arm and head, yeah. right? So the one that you have the best chance of being able to free is going to be the one that's controlled by the legs. And to do that, you want to bridge towards towards your opponent. Bridge and then suck it in like that. Suck it in. Right. right. Once you free that one, then you can sort of work and create create enough space to maybe get the other arm out. So in your opinion, what's uh, what's Zidane doing wrong here? What would you have liked to? You would like to see him get onto his left shoulder and suck that elbow in to try and right now. Now, what's preventing him from doing it? Is it just the? I don't think he knows to do that. Okay. I don't think a lot of guys know to do that. It's not a super common position to be in. Yeah, that's why I said it on the the broadcast that if your guys get somebody in the the crucifix, whether it's backside or topside, you, you you know this is one of these funky positions that you have that no one's ever crucifixed me. You're the only person that's ever done it, and I don't I never seen it. And when somebody does it to you and they're really good, it's just another example of these esoteric positions that if you get into that people are really proficient at it's damn hard to deal with it i would say for the top side crucifix shinya actually does this better than i do really yeah and that's that's kind of why i've had to figure out how to deal with it <laughs> so we'll do MMA sparring some shout out to shinya like, fuck man he's still he just knows how to make himself so heavy yeah shinya's a bull dude yeah shinya's a bull on yeah. top for sure so but i said yeah. um you could tell straight away as soon as kashan got that position yeah. that zidane was like uh i can't get out of this yeah, <laughs> I'm staying. Uh, yeah, first, I mean, first time I was in that position, topside crucifix. I think I was probably a black belt, and I was like, "Hey, wait, what, yeah, what, what's this? What's like, none of my normal stuff works here. Like, this, the, everything's changed. It's like when somebody throws a worm guard on; like, all of your passes are different now. Like, they don't, they don't work anymore. You have what to, is you have to this sorcery? Adjust- <laughs> yeah, you have to do some, you have to do some, make some adjustments. Yeah. All right, let's keep going here because the hematoma shot is coming. That oh, see, now he's already starting to show. Oh, is it? See, that was back yeah. flat. So this is he should be pulling his he, arm right there. He tried to turn in. Yeah. But he's he's trying to get to that shoulder. 
I, I think the right arm is the problem here. I mean, you, it's both, right? You know, it's both. I mean, you, you can get to a good position on the both. The right arm has opportunity in this situation because he's, he's... He's on his shoulder. Yeah, he's he's allowing him to have that space. And it does come over sometimes. That's how he ends up getting hit with a uh, head and arm choke. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Really interesting. So right here, boom. Now, see right there. See, he, he needs to pummel that in. He's going to like a Kimura grip here. He immediately he just, closes off that space, though. Yeah, good. No, Kaishong saw it straight away. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, once he, he starts... So I would get, like to see him get his head to the mat, though. Over here. Yeah, okay, now let's go back to this. And then so, he's going to trade back and forth between... Yeah. Oh, Whoa. shit. Oh, you can already see the... Uh, pause it. If you, if you find the right moment there, Jake, <laughs> yeah, you can already see the, the you, hematomas you can, oh, no, starting. Say, you can see it starting to grow. Oh, yeah, geez. that shit is nasty, dude. That's like, the, do, like, do you think there's a... Oh, yeah, right there, and he's just fucking... Kaishong <laughs> yeah. just keeps it. hitting him on it. Yeah. Do you think there's something over here with the like the ref can see he can't get out of this position? But he's still moving, right? He's, and yeah. it's pro fight, right? It's, it's not yeah, an amateur. They're not. Gonna I, stop I get it what you're saying, but he can't get out from. There. Yeah, at a certain point, it became yeah. clear. But this dude is tough, man. He did not stop working the entire time, and even that choke, he didn't really stop until he was almost out. Yeah. Like it looked like he was may have been out there at the end of it. This Zidane dude is tough as nails. He needs to needs to build his techniques. He needs to to keep training. I always get a little nervous when I saw that the gym that he represented was independent. They had him. They had a gym listed before, then they changed it to. I wonder what the story of that. But there were a few yeah. guys that were like independent. Yeah, some of them were like from from pretty big gyms. I maybe mean, they, maybe they, did, they didn't get their coach's permission to. I take mean, Juggernaut. There was a guy that was on Juggernaut who said he was independent, and then Rahul was in his corner. Yeah, and there I, was. I saw one from. I think there was a guy from Evolve that was independent. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember yeah. you talking about. But that, that's not uncommon, though. I think if they don't get permission to. Uh, I see. Or something like that. They so they want to fight, but they didn't clear it through the yeah, coaches yeah, yeah. or evolve. Just or fair, fair enough. Sure. Yeah. Beautiful finish. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And that hematoma is coming up soon. This dude is. I mean, tough I, as nails I'm staying are. on this footage just so we can see the hematoma, right? I mean, that's the thing with those impact elbows, right? Not the ones that cut, but the ones that thud right into, especially around the yeah. nose and the eyes. They'll get that, especially the upper eye, get that massive hematoma. Oh, he looked like he pointed at it. He's like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> I don't think he realized that it was there until he walked back over. He's like, yeah, because you're in the moment, right? Yeah. And what's what's Kaishong's walking around weight? Uh, oh, this this is his walking around weight. That's the thing. This guy's actually like two weight. I mean, I oh yeah, I, I said it on the on the commentary, right? Yeah. He's clearly so much. You can see right there. Look at the size difference. Yeah, Kaishong fights at 57, and he, this fight was at 68. Is that bantamweight, right? No, is that, it's fly. Is that, it's fly. Yeah. Oh, he's a flyweight. Yeah. He'd be a murderer but at flyweight. He, but he, but he. They fight at 67 or 68 for this one. I mean, so yeah, you got to take the fights you can get, right? right? Yeah. I'm saying that you're going like three weight classes up. Yeah. Like, there you just go. Just to get a fight. There's, there's the, there's the hematome shot we've all been after. <sighs> oh, yeah. And it, it blew up even bigger than this afterward. Yeah, I had a they, picture. Did you see the picture? That was the one upstairs, right? Yeah, Where, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd already gotten some ice on it. I mean, you can send it to Jake if you want. Yeah. You can airdrop it to him. Airdrop it, Luke, and I'll bring it up. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. WhatsApp it, Luke. Okay. I mean, you can airdrop it to that computer. Is that the computer that's on the monitor? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, the stronghold or my MacBook. If you airdrop it there, they can throw it up. He would already gotten some ice on it by that point, but uh, yeah, I mean it, it was pretty gnarly, and that's the difference between. I'm it's a, it to you because I'm technologically illiterate. Okay, sure. Yeah, you're fucking too old, dude. You're too old. That's what's <laughs> going on here. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, it's it's the difference between the impact elbows and the cutting elbows because yeah. those ones that thud in. And I even mentioned this to Kaishan because I, I brought it up on this podcast. My elbow after my pro debut looked like a fucking alien was bursting from my elbow because I was doing – I wasn't framing and cutting. I yeah. was just hitting him with not even the edge of the elbow but almost the bottom of the forearm. 
And then that shit just ballooned up. And I remember afterward, could not believe how much it hurt to elbow another dude's skull, right? He, okay, so the, this guy's head was like swollen up like this, right? We, we're warming up backstage. He chips my tooth. <laughs> he chipped your tooth. He has the nerve to, like, he's complaining when we, when we go back to my house afterwards. He's like, he's like my finger kind of hurts over here a little bit. I think I got, I'm like, dude. I got a boo boo, coach. I got a whittle boo boo. You've been hit with one jab in your last six fights. So shut up. I'm just, <laughs> like, I'm just fucking with you, Kai yeah. You're tough as nails, dude. Yeah. You're tough as nails. I'm just talking shit. I've had a few beers, dude. Give me some, give me a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I just, I just sent that to yeah. you. Hopefully, you should be able to get it there. And kudos to both these guys. And this is everybody. They all were super happy after the fight. They all were, were chill. The vibe was totally good. It wasn't toxic at all. Yeah. You want me to throw it up? Yeah, throw it up. Yeah, and if you can zoom in there. It's like that Johanna Jinjacek. Yeah, it, it had already, the swelling had already gone down here a little bit. Yeah. They'd already had ice on it for a while. This was maybe 20 minutes after the fight. Uh, right away it blows up. But the thing with those are is, is real temporary. Like as soon as you get an ice pack on there for five minutes, it does mm. st- it does go down. I'm sure it's going to spread to his eye, mm. and it's going to start. He's going to have a black eye for sure today. But those are, you know, those are just rough to look at. But I'll take that any day over like getting knocked out or uh, one of those nasty lacerations. I don't right? Know, man. I, I, That's just I, inflammation. I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like getting knocked out. There's like. No way, dude. You'd rather get knocked out than have a swelling on no, your head? No, no, no. I'm just... I, there's got to be a point where, like, you can take more damage if you stay awake. You can take more, more damage. Yeah, you, I don't think it's, like, once you lose 100 points of HP, you go unconscious, I think. I think it's, like... <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the right, well said. The right, right place, you know? Like, he might have lost, like, 300 HP not getting knocked out. What if he would have just taken one big one? Maybe 100 HP. Yeah, I mean, either way, that's 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 tough to look at. But yeah. you know, kudos to it's the still both of those jolt guys. Jolting the head, you know, it's definitely got to be. Yeah, not good it for does hurt though, man. I mean, yeah. that's just a that's just a crunch, right? Yeah. But anyway, guys, shout out to everybody who fought on the card. Listen, this is a you know the, the last fight was a pro fight, but up until that point, it's all amateurs. You guys are all early in your careers, and listen, I've been fucked up. I've been beat. I've lost. I've lost in every martial arts discipline that I've done. You know, it just comes with the territory. And uh, what I liked was the vibe was good. Nobody was. It's just. It's, it is what it is, right? You yeah. you learn. You just keep you know, going. You know what it felt like? Have you ever seen Shawshank Redemption? Of course. You know that scene where they're on the roof and they're having beer. They're, they're having beers and like you know they're they're prisoners, but for that moment they were free. <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. this through this whole pandemic, you know what I mean? It's just been like two years of just being a prisoner, right? And then just like kind of being there, just seeing all the old guys, all the other coaches and stuff, and it's like. You know, there was like no tension. It was just we're all just so happy to be out. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all just so happy to be doing what we love to do. And that's a great like, way to describe it, man. Yeah. It, re- it really is because it, it did feel like that. It felt yeah. like a breath of fresh air. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when yeah. lo- no one gave a fuck. No, man. Was, like we're all yeah. just like, thank. We can finally do this. Yeah. We can beat each other up without <laughs> going to jail. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It just yeah, it felt really good. That's a really great way to describe it, man. It was. I can get close enough to choke a stranger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, like. You know, everybody's within the legal limit, but we, we we were able to, like, fist bump our friends. I saw Eddie Ong there. I hadn't seen him in fucking, you know, all yeah, these people yeah. that we we typically see in competitions, like, four or five times a year. You know, even if we don't train, like, with them actively. You see people, like, we've been in the scene for 10 years in Singapore, yeah. right? So, like, I've seen some of these people for so long, Rahul and Eddie, and then a lot of the young fighters yeah. that I've seen, and, of course, you and Kai and... Tiff was there. Alvin was there. Like these guys that I've seen in the scene for so long, it was just nice to just have an environment where like we're together doing the thing that 
binds us together. It's like a reunion. Yeah. Almost. yeah. It's, it's like a fucked up family like, hey, reunion. Hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. All right. Let's get to Chope's craziness before we finish this podcast. I've got a, I've got a bounce wheel soon as well. Okay, but, sure. But I also want to talk about this. We'll hit this up for 10 minutes and then we can, we can finish up. Is this the... So this was Fight Circus, right? This is John Nuts and, and Chope's thing, right? Uh, this, is, this is Nuts thing. Chope's just in it. So Oh, I thought yeah. this was Fight Circus. Is, is yeah, it yeah, it's Fight Circus. Or yeah. Full Metal Dojo, or is it separate? It's Fight Circus. Uh, uh, same guy. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, John's fucking... Is it John's thing? Yeah, it's John's thing. John's, John's fucking fight, crazy, dude. John Nuts show. He's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's thinking outside the box. So is this... We can watch the whole that. fight, right? Will posted it, so yeah. I mean, it's like two minutes or something like that. So, what, if you're listening to this podcast, what you're about to watch is a two versus one. So, this is Will Chope, who fought Max Holloway in the UFC, fighting two people half his size at the same time because Will Chope is a fucking psychopath. <laughs> and, I, and I love this dude. And he's the, one of the only people I know that's crazy enough to do this. Yeah. All right. So, we've lost your camera. Look, okay. Mine? To, yeah. Okay. No worries. We're, we're pretty much done here. So, let's throw this on. They can hear the audio. So, what do we got here, dude? <laughs> well, you got Will so, fighting two people. So, you got, yeah. you got Will in the corner getting swarmed by two people simultaneously. It's He's, still kind of unclear what their rules are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, there's no rules. This is absolute no, batshit. He, he has a guillotine right here, right? But he's using the guillotine as a, as a wedge between... Look at that. And he's getting kicked and kicked and kicked in the leg. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Once, once you take out one... It's, it's, I thought it was longer than that. Is that the whole fight? Yeah, no, that's no, no, it. No, that, that was just the finishing sequence. I, but it wasn't much longer than that. Yeah, it was a little bit longer than oh, that, okay. right? Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit longer than that. He had a couple of guillotines where, uh, for some reason, they kept breaking it every time he would get to Yeah, that's guillotine. why I was like, what is going on? Yeah. There you go. Luke, do you want to go sit over a major? What's up? Nah, I mean, we'll, we'll, be, we'll finish up here, dude. It's all good. You can just keep yeah. major on the, on the main. You, sex, you highlight his sexy face. Hijacking this podcast. This yeah, is not my <laughs> podcast. This is the major overall podcast. Major overall podcast. Um, so I mean, yeah, put that up on the main screen there. Just that <laughs> that image. Which one? No, no. The one you just had up. Yeah. I love this. Image. I mean, this is basically the whole fight, right? That <laughs> that is the whole, <laughs> that is the whole fight. Basically, it's Will Chope having somebody. If you're listening, in a front headlock. So imagine you have somebody in a guillotine, and Will is using the guy that he has in a guillotine as a barrier between the guy that's trying to kick him while both of his hands are on the guy's neck, yeah. and he's just getting kicked, whack, 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 while he's like trying to choke this guy. And they had a weird rule, right, where any submission won the fight. It's not like double elimination. Right, right. He doesn't have to beat one guy and then fight the other. He doesn't get to fight the other. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that like, being able to fight that guy one-on-one, if they couldn't do it with a friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are you going to do it one-on-one? Yeah. So basically, if Will submits one of them, the fight's over. Yeah, yeah. Right? He doesn't have to beat both of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's just interesting. Will Chope is a fucking crazy motherfucker. If you if you don't know who Will Chope is, go and Google him and go and definitely uh, follow him. I love his Instagram feed. And you can I did a podcast with him before, and you can watch it. It's hilarious. He's one of the most active fight fighters in Southeast Asia. Major is you introduced me to him. I mean, yeah, yeah. You and Will have some fucking stories, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's one of the only guys. We'll get pulled in, off YouTube if you tell them. But <laughs> yeah, he's one of the only guys that's been in Asia as long as as I have. I think we. We met, what, 2010? Something like that? In Taiwan? He's just bouncing all around. Yeah. So Fighting bare knuckle, fighting yeah, in yeah. the UFC, fighting Muay Thai, fighting boxing, fighting MMA, fighting I, two dudes at once. Like, yeah. <laughs> this dude does not give a fuck. I worry about his health, but goddamn, it's entertaining. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that I thought, you know, the funny thing is those guys, they're like an official team that 
they've, this is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> no, the fight circus thing is, right? No, the two versus one. Oh, they've, yeah. They've, 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 I think Will's like the fourth guy they fought two versus one. Have they, wow. have they ever won one yet? No, they always win. Oh. Yeah, they always win. They, usually what happens is they shoot a double leg. On, like they, they get one guy immobile and the other guy comes over the top and punches. But Will was like a little bit like uh, aware of... You know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's seen the footage. But you know? Will so gained it out. He's like, I'm going to use one as a shield and tuck my chin. That's and what you got, like a human shield, right? Yeah, you yeah. grab one, use it as a human shield. Yeah. It's you know, it. let's end on this, Jake. But uh, do you remember the old, it's like a Russian video of like guys dressed up like Spider-Man and Batman and oh, they're in like yeah, a 2v1. Yeah. That was the first time that I'd ever seen. You might be able to find this. I'm sure if you Google it, and we'll finish on this. You can find it. And it was the first time I ever saw it and I saw some tactics because what happened was it's 2v1. For whatever reason, they're wearing fucking superhero outfits so you can't see their face one of them is clearly trained and the other two it's like whatever that's the only way you could do that fight right if they're both trained like you're fucked mm. and what he did was the spider-man got him got him in a muay thai clinch and mm. then when the other guy would come in and try to hit him he would he would swim him over mm. and then use him as a barrier and as he's kneeing him in the clinch he would keep swimming him over as the guy would try to flank him so that way he could get to his back and it was the first time i ever thought about like oh this is how you would actually potentially deal with a 2v1 threat is first of all you got to use lateral footwork keep both of them in front of you and then if you do end up in like a clinch situation you have to use one of them as basically a human shield yeah. and that's exactly what will did yeah yeah that's I, yeah to your point like the using uh keeping them in a straight line I, I saw another fight they used to do this back in the philippines they would do like two versus two but i think if one guy got knocked out then it was one versus two so they yeah that's what that's what i thought that was going to be yeah which so, would have been a little bit john if you're listening <laughs> that would have been a little more entertaining say. yeah <laughs> then, poor guy though if that's if they got one guy's left staring down Will Chope, imagine, like yeah. i, I yeah. couldn't beat him with two people and yeah. now there's just me oh shit well, i've not thought this through there was one clip i saw i think it was one of those filipino fights uh maybe like urcc or something like that where the one guy like the teammate had gotten knocked out right so then it was two versus one so they reset it when that happens when when one guy gets finished they they reset it they put the other two guys on the other side of the cage they put the other guy on the opposite side and this guy just lined them up and smoked them both whap, whap. oh yeah. yeah just took them both out yep one after another. Pop, pop. Will Chope, if you're listening, you are a crazy motherfucker, dude. And I love you. I want you on the podcast again. Stat. As soon as these borders open up, dude, let's do it. All right, man. Should we finish it? This must have been an hour and a half solid. A long one. A long one. Nice. Yeah. Always fun, Major. So, got, what, are, what are we on? 62? Is this 62? 61. 61, Dan. We're 61 deep in this motherfucker. We're starting to get some, get some experience on us in this podcast world. Uh, all right, everybody. Major overall. Head coach of Matrix MMA. Go train with this dude, Jake, the producer in the house. Thank you all for listening. This is the Stronghold Podcast. We'll see you next time.